Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Official podcast of Grapple. I'm JP. I'm Gareth. Greetings, Grapple fans. This is the daily update. Oh, wait. That's my addition to take your job, JP. Hi, I'm WH Park. I'm not actually British. I'm from Canada. I'm I'm part of the colony, part of the empire. Used to be part of the Commonwealth Games, mate. That's good. Yes, right. Commonwealth. Like, so my driver's license is good in your country and in Australia. So kudos to that. But yeah, I'm filling in, not filling in, I'm supposed to be a guest, but you know, Richard Benson, my good friend, Deathmatch Richard, is not here because he's a fucking coward. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to hear the truth about Nick Gage and his fucking game changer wrestling. All right. And fucking guy can't even pronounce the fucking I in someone's name. He pronounces it with an H. Like, how do you, pr- but like, so quickly, sorry. W A I, you pronounce that way, right? You would pronounce that way. He pronounces his wa. How the fuck do you mistake an I for an H? I just we'll get into that, but like that's just my first question out there for the, the chat people here. Hey, well, he missed he missed that E in my name as well. I'm a I'm a Garth, not a Gareth, so there you yes. go. Maybe Nick Gage he's not the most educated bloke. No, no, he's not an academic. All right, that's not going to happen at any point. I mean, he'd be good for a study of for a postdoctorate research. I don't know quite what in, but it'd certainly be intriguing. But yes, as you will have already heard, uh, we don't have Benno this week, but we do have. The inestim- in- inestimable WH Park. How how do we find you today in Toronto? Is it locked down? Is it all good? Is everyone uh, getting vaccinated? Most people are getting vaccinated. It's it's good. Yes. Uh, things are like shopping's pretty much open. I think indoor dining's gonna happen soon. Um, yeah, I mean it. It feels like things are getting back to normal, but we still wear a mask, which I'm which I'm fine with. Like I, mm-hmm. I when I work, I work in retail, so like I wear a mask eight hours a day, but I bought these extender things that you can like extend. So it doesn't put as much pressure on your ears. It's great. It's, it's, it's a lifesaver. Like by, by hour four of work and like my ears are killing me because of the, the hoops over the, I, I'm just like, thank God I'm wearing this fucking extender because I can just tolerate wearing this mask even more. So it's, it's fine, but it, it's good. It's a nice day. I've been indoors all day. Cause I had to watch a ton of wrestling to, 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 so I can keep up with you guys today. And, and give my hot takes about the greatness of, of Chase Owens and like Kenny Omega's mustache. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you've picked a hell of an episode to jump on for this one because for those of you who um, who might be watching on YouTube live, because I've put the link up for free. Um, so I decided we couldn't really put it down. What a at gent. That, at that point, what a gent. But if you do want to carry on watching us live, you can always do that on the Brit Rest is dead tier. Um, but we were having a hell of a chat 
that went around all over the place. I think that's still going to be uh, sort of staying up on the YouTube. But yeah, it went from uh, allegedly, yeah, allegedly, allegedly is really the key word as well. Every word uh, that is said after that word, allegedly from WH, is all allegedly from now on. There you go. There's a disclaimer. (laughs) There it is. Yeah. He's just he's just not gonna use he's just not gonna need to say it all of the time for it. But yes. Um but yeah, here we are. We are live. We've got a absolute shit ton of wrestling to get into this week, which is ridiculous. It feels like I'm sort of leaving all of the preamble out of this. But my god, like like, how have you found, like, in all seriousness, because you've had to watch a load of wrestling today, WH, are we mentalists for watching this much wrestling? I think it's, it's kind of an endurance of my, for me personally, like, it's an endurance of my, like, patience, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, it's an endurance of, like, was my, 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 my sense of logic, some of the shit I'm watching. And then I honestly, like, just talking about New Japan, so I watched the Tokyo Dome show, and there's like five thousand people in here. It didn't seem like them. I think it was just kind of the same for Wrestle Kingdom, right? But it didn't mm-hmm. seem as empty as it did the, this past one at the Grand Slam show, and I just couldn't get into it. Is I, I, you know, I kind of was thinking this like this is like watching shit in the Thunderdome or the you know the fucking mm-hmm. Capital Wrestling Center is better than this. Like, like I'm not someone who hates the clap crowds per se. But, you know, like JP, so like just so people know, JP and I did uh, an episode of The Long and Winding Roll Road, and we're watching Akira Tai versus Misahara Sawa and Nippon Budokan with a rabid crowd. And going from that to watching like modern day Japanese wrestling in 2021 during clap crowds, it was such it, more than watching something from America and then watching something from Japan. It's like it was just such a startling contrast. And, and I was just like amazed that they're still having matches go over 20 minutes. Like when they don't need to main event. If you want to make a 30 minute main event between Shigeru Takagi and Hiroshi Tanahashi, people will be happy. You don't need to make a fucking tag match. Your semi main event, you know, your semi main card between like a, a bunch of mid carters and one and one main eventer, like a fucking 40 minute match. Why? Like, what's the point of that? It's just, it just angered me. Like things like that. Right. Like why you have to have, you feel like they feel like, like, New Japan feels like we have to have log matches because the fans were, you know, we have to have shorter, shorter amount of matches because we don't have as much talent available to us. But we have to make the matches longer. No, you don't. You just have to make good fucking wrestling matches and people will be happy. They don't fucking, they don't need a five hour show. Two, two and a half hours, three max with an intermission. That's all you need. If I'm there live and I'm stuck there for five fucking hours in this building full of people who might have COVID, I'm not going to be happy about that. Do you know what? It's, it's, it's funny you mention that because I was going to ask you about the sort of wrestling you're watching over the pandemic, but this has been one of the big problems, isn't it? It's like what we think of as an epic now. It's that idea of those big blockbusters that go three hours needlessly, and you don't need to have a three-hour film. You can tell this story in two hours a lot of the time. Like there's so much like kind of editing that doesn't take place. But for the stuff you've watched over the pandemic, do you think it's gotten worse? And obviously in New Japan, it seems to. New Japan, definitely, it's gotten worse because I think they're just grasping at straws because, like, all these moves seem to be financially motivated, right? Like, having mm. all these Cork and Hall shows and holding a Tokyo Dome show. Like, the Tokyo Dome show, I, I kind of feel is a leftover from maybe two years ago where they they probably booked it two years ago to capitalize on on the Olympics, 
you know, people maybe who were coming in, like tourists coming in, okay, well, we're here, we're going to go see a wrestling show, maybe. That's kind of my theory about that. But definitely the booking and, like, the touring schedule is just ridiculous. And I think New Japan's just steadily declining when we get to talking about the G1, I guess, like, at least the one thing that's been announced for. Mm. I mean, that to me is just, like, that's also, like, grasping like that's you're scraping the bottom of the barrel really because like you don't have as much resources available to you so it's like i'm gonna make i'm gonna make pasta but i don't have any sauce homemade sauce so i'm just gonna grab the fucking ragu shit from the from the, from the fucking can right and i'm just gonna use three week old fucking onions <laughs> instead of like you know my fresh garnishes or whatever right so that's what that's what this name announcement is and it's like okay i don't want to watch the g1 this year I honestly don't like I don't care who else is in it like this guy and like probably at least three or four more people are going to be in it and I'm like you can go fuck yourself you're not I'm not wasting my time on this shit can imagine how many hours of your life you're going to save by doing that oh I I definitely like four a day like four or five a day yes you know I have other hobbies you know we are going to get in depth on the Tokyo Grand Slam show later on We've got some sort of news to go through, first of all. And I suppose, like, it, it's fascinating and interesting to hear, hear what you guys are going to make of this. Because me and Benno on the weekend show, we got a chance to speak about it. It was a podcast that Benno was going to do Hell or High Water, and he managed to do it outside in the garden. And it was a lovely day, so it kind of worked. And he was absolutely buzzing throughout it. Even though it's, it's not out as a video, I can tell you that. He was absolutely buzzing. But the big news that came out, after we recorded last time, is the news of AEW potentially signing Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, or Bryan Danielson, uh, if you want to into semantics for it. It's not pen to paper at the moment. There's been lots of updates. Originally, the first story came from Sean Rossap on Fightful Select, where he'd said about CM Punk being in training and looking likely that AEW was going to be the destination. He's gone down a road of kind of teasing through social media, whether it's playing the um, serious Chicago Bulls song. I can't think of the, the name of it, but it's um, it, it's phenomenal song playing uh, playing that to the point where he's following AEW, but he's also following like Vince McMahon at the same time, doing all of that kind of stuff. And at the same time, Daniel Bryan, was then reported by Bodyslam.net um, saying that he was looking to get into AEW, wants to particularly work New Japan. Um, that's a big part in the in the factor for him. Daniel Bryan isn't including any licenses. Done deal, isn't it, lads? CM Punk turns up at uh, turns up at All Out. What do you reckon? Sounds like it, doesn't it? everything's pointing it's gonna be fucking disappointing if it isn't isn't it <laughs> basically now because it's just been like presented and just reported like it's just a total done deal so everyone's just assuming that it's going to happen and assuming that the daniel bryan stuff's just uh, happening completely like oh god i mean just the i don't know where, where we talk about like in previous weeks and things like that and you're like oh you're getting these xwwe guys in and you're padding things out and then and it's a fucking christian cage or it's a mark henry and things like that you're just like Oh God! But like when it's these two, you're just like, oh shit, yes! Like not only is this like as exciting as fuck because this just again takes me back to you know mid nineties and been in my late teens, early twenties when you actually had this shit happening with people, you know, good proper names jumping between promotions. Just the fact as well that they're just like, 
I think they are, you know, they are going to be like ratings movers as well, aren't they? And then when you're in this like world now where you just get things that are just so close between, uh, you know, relatively so close between uh, the, you know, the main WWE shows and that, you think, fucking hell, if even if both of these just stick quarter of a million viewers on the um, on the AW figure. Christ, you know, suddenly you're in that in that mix of this looking, you know, really, really close. And I mean, literally, that news came out. I was just immediately on Skyscanner. I was just like looking at flights to Chicago. I was like weighing up, you know, I was on like the ticket resale sites and you know weighing up what That's I could, gone up. what I could, what I forty-one dollars for all out now. Massive uh, shoot up in price. Oh, well, you know, I was looking. There was there was decent tickets you could buy, and I was thinking I'm I'm going to do this. I was like eighty eighty percent there, and then uh, it's uh, it's Alex's birthday next month, and he was he was been banging on at me about getting a fucking PS5 for his birthday, and then like and then he introduced some app to me that like gives you like notifications when one becomes available, and literally the next morning it like sparked up. It, like I got some notification that this PS5 was available, so I kind of pressed it, doing a bit of a charade in front of him, thinking, yeah, I won't get one, and then like went through and got one i was like mm, i think i think there goes chicago i think now it's all gone on the ps5 unfortunately but i don't know family cm punk i don't you know there's a lot isn't it my god <laughs> that you, you you've gone you've gone down that direction um what do you make of it wh um like i think if they both sign yeah it's big news i think definitely for for aw it's gonna kind of break that tna in it TNA kind of streak they've had of signings from, you know, XWB guys. And I think these two are such, you know, like big names, like they're, they're bigger names than Christian Cage, Mark Henry, whoever, like they say, they even bigger than I think John Moxley at the time when they signed him, he wasn't like that big of a star and not kind of like the, the name cachet that like, especially I think punk has being out of wrestling for so long. Um, what it means for their actual product. Like, would I watch, start watching AEW on a regular basis? Maybe more for Brian Danielson, not so much for CM Punk, because I I like CM Punk, but I've never been a huge fan of his because I think he's a good wrestler. I don't think he's a great wrestler. He's mm. a great promo. Yeah, for sure. Like, his promos are what draw people into the building. If you look at his matches, at least in my opinion, like, he's, he's like, a, he's an above average good wrestler. I don't think he's, like, an elite wrestler like Brian Danielson is. Um, Brian Danielson, to me, if you put him in a feud with people who are interesting, I'll, I'll watch his segments at the very least on AEW Dynamite or whatever, or the pay-per-views. If you put him in with fucking Cody Rhodes and Cody Rhodes is beating him, no, no thank you. By the way, so I watched Dynamite, and the first thing I fucking get indunduated with is a fucking image of Cody. And the second image, the third image I get indunduated with is fucking wife Brandy. <laughs> what a great start. Anyways, <laughs> but... <clears throat> like I, I do think it would be a big like business changer for them for mm. AW if they get both those guys. I think more more like for the, the the press would be would be punk and more for the in-ring would be Danielson would would be such a boon to them. I'm kind of curious if punk does come in like what does that mean for Cabana like Ho Cabana because like there's obviously a lot of heat still between those two I think. Yeah, and quite often you you maybe get the impression that the one who maybe needs to let things go a bit is, is punk himself and is he going to do that because that's one of the issues is that aw's you know it's been said it's always comes across as being quite harmonious backstage or certainly in a, in a public facing way and this is the kind of stuff that can destabilize things however 
this is worth the kind of risk of it. And the hope would be that they would they would kind of sort things out. I think when it comes to these two signings, it's a, re- it's a really interesting position because Brian is the better long-term signing. Not only is he a massive name, you know he can work. There's lots of fresh matches. He's very giving to his opponents. And there's load of young stars that he, you know that he's kind of salivating being over to, to kind of wrestle with. And it's all fresh. And that's the thing. If he re-signs with WWE, the New Japan thing isn't going to happen because it just can't happen. They'll want, WWE would want exclusivity. Um, I think New Japan are doing all right out of this AEW deal at the moment. And so it seems like that's, and they don't, and they're not going to put up any barriers to him wanting to work there. And the idea of him having creative, I mean, he's, this isn't Hulk Hogan signing with WCW having complete creative control and, you're going to ruin the com- uh, company by bringing in all of his fucking no, mates. He's, he's going to bring in Brian Kendrick and Paul London and everyone else. Well, as, his Brutus Bre- as his Brutus beefcake. That's right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's for those reasons, I think, I think Dan, like, I think Danielson's the better one. I think punk, because it's the forbidden, it's the forbidden fruit, isn't it? It's the, it's the one wrestler who like kind of and I remember hearing Joe Lanza talk about this in terms of saying like kind of starting that movement it was the one where he was the first person to kind of really vocalize a top wrestler vocalizing publicly the problems in this company and the kind of hierarchical system and that's been the thing that's kind of breaking away from WWE has kind of been the big deal this would be the biggest thing he could do for that um it's at a point it's going to get well paid. I have massive doubts over the matches. I know I might be just going on a GTS and the fact he hasn't wrestled for a few years, like at the, him in the mask doing shit GTSs. I have real reservations over the wrestling. However, I think as you said, Gareth, I think these are the guys that get you to one and a half million. And then you get your, then you look at TNT thinking, right, what the hell else are we going to do? Your pay-per-view buy rates are going to go up. If they're using the money that they got from the, moving to TBS deal from TNT, then this is a good use of that money because, you know, certainly Brian is like an absolute get. And, you know, if he comes out at Arthur Ashe, like, my God, that's looking like it's going to be an, an almighty epic um, episode for Dynamite for them. I think yeah. with, with, with Brian Danielson, like my, the benefit I see with him, is like, if you start going back into the, like, trying to get talent from the indies, mm-hmm. like your, your Willard Yudas and your Daniel Garcias and then people like that, then there's no better person to, like, kind of break them into, like, a mainstream television product kind of environment than Brian Danielson, right? So, yeah. like, more than probably any other person on that roster in AEW, in my opinion. Like, and, I, and just to clarify, I don't watch it that regularly. So if there, there's someone else that, that's qualified to do that as well, that's great. But I think you take him, this guy's so ingrained within that culture and such a hero to a lot of these the the talent that's in the indie scene right now that they come into aw okay he's going to want to work like with i want to work with really i want to work with daniel garcia i want to work with kevin blackwood or whoever else gets you know Mm. brought into to the company from the indies not from another not from japan or not from not from the wb which i think is so vital like for me like i if i could tell to you know tony constantly it's like you know you should really start scouring the indies more for your talent not so much your, your competition, you got your big names and that's all you need right now. But like, you got to start thinking about five years from now when those big names are like, <clears throat> excuse me, breaking down, 
<coughs> excuse me. And then you need all these fresh talent that that aren't, you know, like that are going to be your talent, not the Vince's creations. I, I I think this is like one of the areas though with with Punk and Daniel Bryan. I just think they'll again just. I think what AEW's done well is using the existing names and existing talent to kind of shine a light on some of these these younger guys. And I just like, I don't, you know, I look at this and just think about like Daniel Bryan just getting it, being able to, you know, get in the ring and work with a, a Jungle Boy, for example. Or you, you know, I think I, I think the the benefits that he can bring to, to to that side of thing. And then again, as we've you know we've talked about these different you know guys who've come through the Indies and they're almost like the AW's homegrown guys, whether it's someone at the top end like an MGF right down to somebody like, I don't know, like a Will Hobbs or something like that. I just think the the, the variation of people there that they can they can get and, and get in there and have that that um experience of working with um with, with Danielson will just be you know, help again, just like kick them and elevate them as uh, as people. With Punk, I'm less bothered about the in-ring because I don't think these days that's probably what he's about. And, you know, people, uh, people often forget how much of AEW is just built on the promos and the, uh, the angles as well. And, you know, there's, you know, at, at the end of the day, he's never going to lose that, you know, gift of the gab that he's got there. He can talk anyone into the building there. And, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I might be, you know, biased. I'm a big CM Punk fan, but like, you look at his age, like the guy's only, what, 42, is he? Is he 41, 42? You're like, you look at someone like Kenny Omega's 37. Like, you know, Randy Orton's 41. It's not like he's, it's mm. not like he's 10 years older than these guys who are still performing at the top of cards. And, you know, I'm pretty, you know, he's a guy who's... Well, Christian spent- Cage closer to 50. He's closer to 40. Yeah, you know, I say this is a forty-two-year-old. Exactly, exactly. He's still a young lad at forty-two, isn't he, JP? That's oh, uh, the time of his life. <laughs> that's um, you know. So uh, you know, I, I think from from that perspective, God, you know, bit of ring time, in, 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 and he'll be able to get back to a reasonable level. I don't think he's going to be knocking five-star matches, you know, out of the park. But the reality is, I don't think he needs to either. It's going to be just more about the the character, and I just think again, just him getting in there and just working some programs with some of these, these these younger guys, putting a bit of spotlight on, making them look a bit more of a, a star as well, because that seems to be in the AW model. Again, both of these, I just think they're just going to be a, a, a massive get. And like we were saying there about putting numbers on the ratings, like you were saying, if you get them to one and a half, if Punk and Danielson only got AW to one and a half, I'd be disappointed. I, I think these two, should, you should be getting more in the neck of, you know, two. 1.7, 1.8. It should be up to up to that territory, really, especially for the investment that it would be to bring them both in. I'd, mm. I'd expect them to move the needle in that way. And again, I haven't got the figures to hand, but I think Punk had a pretty positive impact, didn't he, on UFC buy rates when, when he came in. And that's people actually putting their hand in the pocket. That did half a million. And that was a, a kind of a, a like he was thrown onto that pay per view and yeah, yeah. It, and that's people and that's people paying it. money. That's not just people just turning a channel. That's actually paying to watch something. So you know, he sh- the impact should be should be huge. I would have thought. I mean, it's kind of industry shaking, isn't it? Because I think the thing with and to go back onto Daniel Bryan is obviously the big part of this is this does affect New Japan. Like there, there is somebody here who wants to come in. I see him punk to New Japan. I just don't think that'd be a thing. I don't think that's something he'd be particularly interested. I don't think it would work or click at all. Whereas Daniel Bryan, on the other hand, seems like he'd be willing to come in. And I suppose WH, like, what kind of impact does that have then on on New Japan? Because that 
appears to be one of the things, and we're going to obviously talk about New Japan later on, but like that's a roster at kind of creaking point. You're thinking of big kind of imports they're going to be able to bring in. Does Daniel Bryan change the move the needle a lot for them? Um, domestically in Japan, not, not so much, I don't think, but internationally for their subscriptions for New Japan World, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably what they're looking at. And I think definitely if they can put them on strong and they can have them on their, you know, their live shows for New Japan Strong, if they can work that out with AEW, if he ends up signing there, that's a big, that's a big boon for the U.S. market um, and their, their English-speaking market, like with their subscription service. But domestically, it depends how they use him because, you know, they got to keep in mind, Brian Danielson is a junior heavyweight in their eyes. Would he be pushed as a heavyweight in the company? I think so, but it's also the perception of like, okay, this guy's smaller than a lot of our guys. Like he's smaller than you know Tanahashi, uh, and I think he's probably still smaller than than Shingo Takagi, who was a junior heavyweight at the start, but now he's a heavyweight now. But like, I think it it, it it's how you present him when if he comes in his initial uh, couple of first months in the company, like who you book him with and how he's booked, and then if you give him the AJ Styles push, awesome. I think it could work. If you if you give him a push akin to I don't know who else like that that, that failed to coming as a foreigner, but you have to treat him the right way and you have to make sure he gets key wins. I don't say I'm not saying give him the title right away, but if he's if they say he debuts in, in the G one or something like that, okay, he's got to go to like he's got to win like the finals of his block at the very least, if not win the mm. whole one of the blocks and then in the finals or something like that so it's, it's all presentation with him he is a he is like has a name because he did so many tours of japan whether it was for new japan or for Kurosawa. noah so he's he's got that that cachet with the with japanese fans that way and like he even did like big mouth lab which was katsuyori shibata's like indie promotion and he had a match with shibata on one of those shows which is a great match by the way i urge people to go seek that match out another man will be coming back to <laughs> later on as well uh, katsuyori shibata and what's happening there we had a good conversation about him last night it's a i mean the thing that that the uh, one of the only concerns i would have is of doing this and this is maybe part of me being wary from the monday night war era is that you can end up really convoluting stories unnecessarily so i would say for example the fact that like say when wcw signed bret hart there were so many things they did wrong but one of the things was they just didn't know how to introduce him into their storylines. They didn't know how to do that. It's A lot has been said they've got a kind of long-term direction with a lot of their programs. They were talking about this FTR, um, Proud and Powerful storyline, like uh, apparently like sort of six months ago. Is this the case where if you bring in Brian and you bring in Punk, are you going to kind of, is it does it just get too bloated? And at some point, you are going to think to yourself, we need to cut down a bit on this roster. And unfortunately, it's probably some of the people that they've ended up signing in the meantime that maybe are the ones that, that could have been cut. But is that going to be a problem for them? I think it's something that we've seen, haven't, haven't we? As, as they've got some of these people recently, like, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about the Miro uh, introduction and where they almost had to put him on a bit of a holding pattern really for a while and just mm. shoehorn that terrible storyline in there. A little bit the same with 
Andrade that there's been a bit of a slow start to the way that he's been brought in and it's been a bit sort of disjointed really and you know it hasn't necessarily been as impactful as it should have been and I suppose that's one of the problems is that when you have got long-term stories that you are building something like you know the Omega Hangman stuff which has you know bled through for what 18 months two years now kind of thing that you know it's clear that they have got plans that are much more long-term that that drag drag through there suddenly you get someone like this it is hard isn't it not to just throw them in there into the into the mix at the top really and you know not not involved you know not involved in there you'd like to think that hopefully if these these are deals that have been done deals with them been on the table for a while as well someone like a punk used to say they haven't had six months really that they've been talking to punk and like laying out plans or thinking about okay when we bring him in we'll 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 do it then because quite clearly you're never going to you know bring cm punk into like a no crowd era business and clearly Mm. he's okay to just like hang on and wait and things like that so you'd like to think that there's a you know there's a long-term plan certainly around some of you know someone like that potentially where they have had the ability to to think it out in a bit more detail but yeah it can be you know we've seen that that it can be can be problematic in that if something doesn't just quite like hit off the back, it it feels you know it, I don't know it feels a bit lame some of these some of these entrances that they they have done and then equally you don't want to take it away from anything else because you know you know again thinking about how much those that main event storylines built you don't want that being overshadowed by the fact that mm. fucking CM Punk and you know Brian Danielson turn up on the same show or a week later or something like that. I mean I personally don't I'm not sure Hangman's going to win the first match in that in, in in that series but then equally you don't want someone like him to appear less than you know if suddenly these two these these two guys pop up at the top of the card so it's a it's an interesting balance but equally on the flip side you can't not do it if if Brian Daniels and CM Punk are there to sign and you can bring them into your company and they want to sign and you, you know then then you work it out you, you know that's that's good booking that's that's where your their metal's really going to be tested because then yeah you do need to adapt accordingly and just you know fit um, fit, uh, fit these guys into your plans and, and and adjust things and again you know my thoughts on you know bloated rosters and people being signed up and things like that. Sometimes people have just got to go, so, and and they have, you know, because there's, you know, there's, mm. there's, you, you can't, you know, you, sometimes somebody needs to go away to come back as well, and you know, be a bit more popular. And if it means that they're with Rampage, there's more TV time there potentially, so that they can bleed people across there with these relationships that they've got with uh, the likes of um, Impact Wrestling and things like that. Maybe that's where, you know, as we've talked in the past, in a limited bit of a loan system or something like that, somebody disappears off AWTV for, you know, six months or so, and they go and, you know, boost boost things there, but they keep them out of WWE's clutches, then maybe that's the way this is going to work with all these, you know, this forbidden door aspect with all these companies working together, moving this talent around, because um, because I think it's going to be needed, because otherwise there's a lot of guys there who's going to lose lose a lot of value and, and get pissed off. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I think I I, I really... It's funny, sorry, WH, I'm going to start talking about football at this point. But it's very it's very much like, I thought you were going to get up to Lee. Um, uh, (laughs) There he is, he's off. Um, It's a lot like a kind of a Chelsea or a Man City, where basically you've got lots and lots of talented, like kind of wrestlers and and too many. And you're just putting them out on loan. And I think there's the option for it, because like you say, they've created these relationships. So for example, someone like Lance Archer, and we'll get into Fighter Fest in a minute, 
that's someone I can see going back and doing tours on the reg for New Japan and almost feeling like he could become a New Japan regular. There's a comfort zone factor with him. I think it's it kind of ticks a lot of boxes, and I think he would also be happy as well. But then he becomes more of an attraction in AEW. I could see that kind of stuff happening. Apparently, Frankie Kazarian turned up the latest set of Impact tapings. You've got the options of those kind of extra places to go to. There's NWA. There's a good few um, AEW uh, like wrestlers who were at the GCW shows this weekend, like Penelope Ford and Cesar Bononi. If you're able to guarantee them work and just say, look, we can't give you TV time and we like kind of need to get you more seasons. Here's these other places that we've got good relationships with who, let's face it, all of them could do with talent. This seems like a, a no brainer. No. How do you feel about that? WH? About like lending out your roster to other people. Like, yeah. I think it's fine. I mean, I think you have to let them go for extended periods of time. Like, Okay, so I know let's just say take Jurassic Express, for example. Okay, mm-hmm. we don't have anything for you right now. Okay, so you guys can go to Impact and be in the tag division there. And and, and with like someone like Jungle Boy, you can work in the X division. I think that would really help him a lot, right? And you can come back six months or a year from now. Mm-hmm. And then you're not going to be on our TV. And then when they do come back, it's fresh, right? At the same time, if you, I don't think AEW should have the attitude like we're going to keep people just so like Vince doesn't take them and put them on Raw mm. or SmackDown or NXT or whatever. Let them go. If they want to go, let them go. Because eventually, if they're, they're going to find out if nothing changes in the WWE, these people after four years are going to be like, fuck, I don't want to stay here anymore. Calls up Tony Khan and says, hey, can I come back? Yeah, you've actually made a name for yourself over there to some degree. We bring you back. And they feel fresh. It's, it's like the territory days. And that was a great thing. Yeah. The, the territories... Sean in the chat has just mentioned it. It is like the territory days. And someone jumps from world class to UWF to like Jim Crockett to like the AWA and to to, goes to to WWF at the time and then back and forth. That was great. Like as a wrestling fan who didn't get to watch all this stuff on TV but was following through the aftermags, I I was like, oh, that's cool. All the the moon dogs are in Memphis now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not the best example, but you know what I mean? It's like like Rick Rue is a good example. Like Rick Rue jumping from world class. To Jim Crockett, and then he jumps to the WWF, and then he goes to WCW after his WWF run. That, that's that was that's a great example of like how someone keeps their their career fresh, and it's significant every promotion that they worked in, and then to the point where they become main event, and then they become the probably the top guy. When he jumped to WCW, he became quickly the top guy, even though Vader was like hmm. the, the champion. Like Rick Rude was the top star. I felt he was the top heel. And he was the head of the Dangerous Alliance. So he should have should have put a belt on him, mate. I'm no, still definitely. slightly bitter about that. That international title, it cuts no mustard with me. Yeah, it's garbage. It's, it uh, is garbage. It's, it's, it's like uh, it's like this FTW title that they have in AEW right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not, not mad on that one. I think, <laughs> I think Ricky Starks will weirdly make that work a bit better than than Brian Cage. He doesn't have too much of a personality on him. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it, it, if we can get back to that kind of territory system, and that's one of the other things. And I know that, um, like, say that them hopefully shipping out possibly some of that younger roster because they have dark and dark elevation, which big no tone came out. No so, one but watched... John Cena, who's in this chat, watches that shit. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, like he watches NWA Power as well, which is fucking incredible. Like I, I. I find I find that hard. It's uh, Rian in the chat there has said as well that um, that, that we should have known this was coming. Fulham love a good loan deal. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> God. A WH remembering Ted DiBiase's short by modern standards WWF run. How long was that run, Gareth? Was it five years? I think it was five, wasn't it? Four or five. We interchange between weeks, but we managed to reference it every week. So we'll it keep is, it going. That odd <laughs> concept of time for all of us. But uh, talking about AEW generally, um, and I do actually, one of the things I do want to mention is that Benno did say uh, it was it was a thing that um, John Pollock also referenced as well about Punk. When he, like, if he says about not watching the product, he name checked Jungle Boy, Brian Pillman Jr., um, Darby Allen as people he'd be interesting in working with and, and stuff like that. And if I could have one program for Punk to come into, I think it'd be Punk MJF. That would be the one that I'd be going for because I think the promo battles would be something else. I also think MJF would say some really horrendous shit, which would be fucking hilarious, but I digress. Yeah. Yep, this week we had um, we had night two of Fighter Fest. I don't know how you felt about this show. I mean, obviously, last week we were absolutely buzzing about night one as this like fantastic two hours of television. I think there were some good moments. I kind of liked the opening and I enjoyed the close. But my God, there were bits in this that felt very disjointed and bits that didn't work at all. And even though it did well in the ratings, you know, did 1.1 million and never really dropped substantially kind of throughout that, stayed at that level for the entire night. I don't know. Which bit of this do you want to talk about? Which, which, WH, you never get to talk. You never, we never hear your opinions on the AEW. What's the thing? What didn't you like about this show? Let's just well, go into it. First of all, this Fighter Fest name? What the fuck? Why the fuck are you calling it this? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like some failed, Amen to that. failed, like, fucking festival that happened in some desert where people got dehydrated and starved or something like that. And then the Netflix made them fucking stupid documentary about it, and which was getting a lot of buzz. And then, you know, TK and fucking Cody Rose were like, that's hot. We got to name it. You got to name it like a special TV show after that. No, you don't. Have it wrestling related, and why? Why do you continue having it in 2021? Like, well, in that case, why don't they just bring out a female wrestler called Mare and have her from East Town, Pennsylvania? Then like, why don't you just call it fucking chicken? Woodstock? Then you know Woodstock yeah. Fest. You know, fucking <laughs> have fucking nine inch nails covered in mud performing on your fucking show then or something. I don't know. But that aside, like I, I thought overall it was kind of a boring show to be honest with you. Like outside of the the angles, like the big Nick Gage thing. Oh, that's kind of cool. Like mind you, I'm watching this all after the fact, so like none of these are surprises to me. But I'm watching like like okay, so I have my grapple ratings here. Yeah, here I use the yeah. Good luck. You know, so. <laughs> uh, Chris Jericho, Sean Spears, oh, but Chairman, what the fuck is that? This is so stupid. Yeah, and I've got him. He's got a chair fetish. And then uh, two stars. Chris Jericho looks like he's got the fucking reflexes of a pregnant walrus. So these days, Doc <laughs> uh, Gallows, fucking hate Doc Gallows versus Frankie Kazarian, one and a half, like one and a half. That was shit. Uh, Darby Allen versus Wheeler Yuta, two and a half. But that's because like it's a TV match. But I like both these guys. I like Wheeler Yuta. I'm a huge fan of Wheeler Yuta. But I kind of hope he goes to Ring of Honor instead. I think he'd be better utilized there. Uh, what else do we have here? Britt Baker. Versus Nyla Rose. Okay, what's the fucking deal with people going on about Britt Baker? She's so overrated. Really, it's character, isn't it? It's like, oh, people got a dentist fetish or something like that. Like, <laughs> in the ring, she's fucking bang average. Seriously, like, she moves like she's fucking wrestling underwater. Like, seriously, right? Nyla Rose, <laughs> I, whatever. 
like people, oh, she's the next coming of Aja Kong or Awesome Kong. It's like, no, she's like the second coming of fucking that jobber you saw on fucking WCW Saturday night. That's what she's the fucking second coming. Of. She's bang. She's less than bang average. She sucks. Okay. Then I see fucking Vicky Guerrero up there. I was like, is this 2002 still? Like, what the shit? What the fuck? Why is she oh, no. still a manager? I don't get it. And then Rebel, don't even get started on Rebel because she ruined like one of the Cinderella tournaments for me. She was in it. Just absolutely horrible. So like that was, I was being generous. Two stars. That's me. That's me being, that's like the Matt Cardona, Nick Gage match rating. There's two stars for this. All right. And then the Blade versus Orange Cassidy. Two, two and two, two and two, five. I don't, I don't even an Orange Cassidy person, but I thought this was actually has some decent action in it. Uh, John Moxie versus Lance Archer, highest rated thing, three and three and a quarter stars. It was fun, but it's like U.S. plunder stuff. Like, listen, I, I, if I'm gonna watch plunder stuff, I'm gonna watch Big Japan wrestling because it's it's way more intense and like they just go beyond like what you're gonna do in American wrestling, especially on mainstream American wrestling like PW. So that's the Drew, Drew Parker built, mate. That's... that's right, your boy Drew Parker from Wales. So what? Apparently. So what? So what you're saying, WH, is that you enjoyed the show? <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing people pop for Chavo Carrero coming out, and then I go on Twitter and see Alan Cunahan, my 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 good friend Alan Fornell, fucking bury Chavo Carrero. That was that was probably the, my favorite that part was of that show. And I want to say to Sarah, hello, Miss Miss, Miss talking to you. See you again in Japan or in Ireland someday. It was. <laughs> My God, like I, I, there's a there's a lot to unpack. Um, I suppose in terms of starting off on one of these bits, I actually thought the Britt Baker Nyla Rose match for the women's title, which in and of itself is the high point for viewers in the show. In the show, sorry, second highest viewpoint, and she does well on those quarter hour ratings. But I think this has been a terrible feud. I think the match was actively bad. I think Nyla Rose has lost something entirely being with Vicky Guerrero. It's just like there was a point in time where there was a real improvement and it was like, it was, it was a lot more interesting, particularly in the matches she had with Hikaru Shida. And this has just been a, a bad feud to start off with. And it's one that I'm, I'm hoping that this is over, but I thought as a match, it just didn't click and gel. I, I, I think I went two stars on it. I, I, yeah, I just really didn't like this. Why do you have Britt Baker push the way she is when you when you have Serena Deeb that you could possibly sign and push even further because she's such a better wrestler and has just a good personality and promo <laughs> company. As we as we've said, it's a promo company. Yeah. So like, I mean, and, and in that sense, pushing Britt Baker makes sense because it's exactly what uh, I can see why they're doing it. And, it, and it, and it was working very very well in terms of the reaction, and she'd kind of found her niche as a character. I think it's that problem of once they move past the Hikaru Shida feud, it was like, where do you go next? And then you're thinking to yourself, well, are you going to go down a route of, I don't know, um, I don't know. You couldn't do like a Jade Cargill, but you're wondering about, you know, any number, like a Serena Deeb or a Thunder Rosa to go to now. Now she's under contract. Maybe they would go down that route. And by God, you'd hope so, because she needs that. You would hope like they, you know, they start pushing Thunder Rosa more. Like try, I don't know if Serena Deeb's actually signed with AEW or she's with NWA or whoever. But like, I would try to get her. I think contract. she's. I think she is signed. 
I think she did the last, the last date was losing the NWA women's title to Camille. I want to say that that is the case, but she appears not to be there. And Thunder Rose has been bought out of her contract. And if those are the reasons they went to Nyla Rose first while they kind of do that, but still, I think the Thunder Rose refuses the obvious one to go down. Yeah, yeah, that's the one where like, you know, you kind of like come back to Britt Baker and, you know, like you say, this show being like very much about, you know, it's not all about the wrestling. It's about, it's about, you know, the personalities and the characters and something. And that's clearly something that's clicked and she has got over and she has proved that she is over with like live crowds and things like that. And, you know, I'll give her like big, um, big credit there. She has improved in the ring massively. You know, we've talked about that in the past that over the, you know, compared to, you know, kind of day one, you know, she definitely has, uh, yeah, as, as, as improved, you know, along the way. And she's someone that you look at and you think like, you know, if she keeps at this, you know, at this rate with the right person, she's, you know, she can, she can be fine. She can be acceptable for TV. Is she going to be like having um, match of the year candidates all the time? Absolutely not. Does she need to? Absolutely not. You know, she needs to go out there and, you know, get, get feuds over with good promos and things as it happens. You know, she has had that great match with Thunder Rosa and those two do seem to, you know, click quite a lot. I know it was a plunder match, but it was, uh, you know, it was, it, it was one that was, you know, massively, you know, you know, well-received. It was a great I match. think, uh, yeah, I think there's, I think there's, you know, I personally think there's legs in, in, in Britt Baker as a, you know, as a character and as a draw from a business point of view. This match though, just don't pair these two together ever again because it was just as clunky as shit, wasn't it? The chemistry between them was awful. And especially some of the, like, it was almost like some of the move selections. It was like, why are you trying to do this with this person who's, like, you know, twice your size? You know, There's no way that this can possibly work smoothly or look credible or anything like that. And it just they just sort of shit the bed on, on, on you know, quite a few like moves throughout this match it was one that I gave like two and a half to as well and for me it was just it just almost smacked of that kind of like early title defense against the big monster before you move on to you know it was the Kane defense wasn't it <laughs> basically kind of thing for for the for the recent champion and um, yeah I think there's there's more people along the line there with the the Thunder Rosa rematch with the Serena Deep stuff that he says there where we'll probably see a better version of Britt Baker in the ring as uh, as well but yeah, I mean, this one, just fucking take it and move on. And Nyla Rose, to me, is somebody who, you know, she's a prime example for what we talked about before of being able to move people around different promotions, have her show up in Impact or something like that and win the Impact she... Women's title or something like something like that and, you know, get Diona Perazzo over this way and, um, you know, swap it around and bring, bring Nyla Rose really? back in 12 months as a monster and just kill somebody and have a little three or four-month run and then piss her off somewhere else again because... Uh, um, yeah, she's you. You don't want her hanging around and needlessly been been stuck in feuds with anyone. Yeah, she. Although, I mean, we've mentioned the name Guerrero here, and it's it's, it's hard not to think of it. I mean, this next segment, and it was the thing that kind of it, it was just such a bizarre sort of piece of television because you went from this Britt Baker Nyla Rose match to then a heavily edited down FTR Santana Ortiz press conference that was just, it was weird, wasn't it? It was just, I was just like, what, am I, what, what have they, what have I missed? Cause I thought the last time I thought the editing was arguably worse than the Kevin Nash on the broken skull session because they're both <laughs> out of their brains. 
And I was like, well, you're editing that not only for legal reasons, but it's two lads who are on the piss. And here, it appeared to be absolutely butchered down. It's like, it, it's, it was weird. It kind of felt very disjointed then at that point. And then from there, we get the Andrade, Chavo Guerrero Jr., death triangle, a lot of stuff not working. Chavo Guerrero clearly having to kind of rescue it in the ring because they've got Andrade cutting live English promos in the ring and it's just not working at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, that for me, I think there was the, just the point, of, just to talk about getting Chavo Guerrero Jr. It was like, you know, we'd said on this show, like replace Vicky, replace Vicky. The replaced her, but with Chavo Guerrero Jr. Um, discuss. <laughs> Can I just talk about that that interview segment between Proud and Powerful and Oh yeah, go like, go back to that first if you want to. <laughs> so, so like they're you know, they do the back and forth, they're you know, FTR is putting forth their case and then it is it's Santana, right? He stands up and he's pulling all these photos of his life of his history of his mom and stuff. So and that's when they cut it. And I'm like, oh my god, he started criticizing white American like uh, entitlement <laughs> privilege, and then Cody saw it and he said, I'm we're cutting that. Aye. And then the young bucks saw like, no, is he criticizing white America? Cut that, cut that, cut that. When he's just talking about like how how like how great his mom was, how strong his mom was, that was fine. But when he starts talking about white America, he probably criticized Trump. Cody fucking butchered that and cut back that Sierra. That's my theory, by the way. They've been going down this mama off stuff. And it sometimes it's like a parody, like at times this thing that they have going that it's a bit like the um yorkshireman sketch out of monty python where it's like you were lucky i i had to work 25 hours a day in the mine and then like my parents would shoot me as soon as i got home and i was forced to sleep in a shoebox in the middle of the road and it's just these lads talking about poverty whereas i'd quite like it if ortiz went i grew up in a just generally lower middle class kind of part of new york but generally i've, I've benefited quite well but it's it's very weird, all of this stuff. It can't just be, we hate each other. Let's have a match. It's a lot of it's about, like, don't mention family, which I don't know if you've seen Fast 9 yet, WH. Not yet. Oh, we'll be talking about that on this network, I'm That's, sure. Me and Ben, yes. when he's not a coward anymore. <laughs> He'll be there. But, yeah, how does it How does it work? Like, I mean, it, it's, I don't know. It just felt like just cut this out just lose this piece you don't did it need to exist well i don't normally watch i don't normally watch dynamite on itv but i did this week and um i thought is this itv that have done this or something like that i was thinking, i felt like i was like look have i missed something i felt like something like fucked up on my recording or something like that there was just so many like gaps in it and there just didn't seem to be any continuity or flow between what they were all saying and i was thinking that's a bit strange that you would say that after that person's just said that and things like it was just it was just odd it was just what was the what, there wasn't much purpose to it really and if everyone's saying here that like the full version on youtube's great like in the comments here then just use it then as a social media thing. Yeah, you know, if, you, if you're not going to show the full thing on the show and, you know, maybe you should have played the full thing on the show instead of giving Andrade a quarter of an hour. Like, but, you know, just point people in the direction of the social media and make them make them watch it there. And, like, if it, if, if it is good, be something that you get a bit of buzz out of there rather than it just looking chopped to shit and just a bit ridiculous. But hey-ho. But moving on to that Andrade thing, fuck me. What a close to fuck that was, wasn't it? 
Jesus, like, I couldn't. I'm still trying to work out who's a face and who's a heel and things like that in it as well because Ch- Chavo Guerrero was like reveling in his pop and like just, you know, saying all this like babyface stuff. And I was thinking, hang about, isn't Andrade a heel? And then he was saying, well, incomprehensible stuff, but then heelish stuff like the other way. And then it wasn't quite clear what side of the fence Death Triangle sat on. And I, I, I was just left feeling very, uh, very confused by the end of this, this seg- segment and also thinking like, a few months ago when I said about, yeah, Andrade should just go to New Japan and um, just, yeah, I'm starting to think that was maybe the, uh, maybe the right decision. Just uh, don't put him on, don't put him on AWTV because there's, he's, uh, there's nothing I've seen so far from him that's making me think that he looks like a star. He's just looking more and more like a comedy character to me with, with every passing week. And then as you bring in some genuine stars at the top of the card, he's just, uh, I don't know, he's looking like a big miss and a big filler at this point. He's, is so Death Triangle are heels or are they babyfaces? Heels, but heels. You, okay. well, in essence, hey. they're just like a kind of standalone group, standoffish group. So they're Who's kind of very much tweeners. Who's the guy in the red pants that came out with them? Oh, Alex, Alex, Alex Abrahantes. Abrahantes, who Is basically like, translate for Penta. So he's like their fucking um, Bill Alfonso. He's like Bill Alfonso's their sappy red pants or something. He's Rock kind of man. like a he's kind of like a hype man. He doesn't blow the whistle, thank God. Like because that did get annoying after a while. Well, his voice have... is kind of like that whistle. It's annoying. I found so it's you know yeah. it's not so bad. But I would yeah, think he's... that maybe they're gonna transition like Death Triangle, like get rid of Pac and then put uh, you know Andrade in, in with Penta and Phoenix, which would make more sense. Or you you're opening the door if you can if you can work it out with Ring of Honor that you you bring in like you know Rush and and, and, and Dragon mm. Lee. To team with with Andrade, which would make a lot of sense, and if you can get some kind of cr- you know cross pollination of talent between ROH and AEW, like that would benefit both companies. Maybe you can see that happening. I think basically you, you kind of hit the peak where you can do things with Rush in, in ROH anymore, and then moving over mm. to join Andrade and like bring Jack and Lee with them, and then form Incorporables in in AEW would be kind of an interesting thing. Maybe it gets. It, where it gets, I think, gets really complicated is, I mean, the Ring of Honor stuff is, and it's funny because we talk about all of these promotions and they're all kind of even interlinked. And Ring of Honor is one where it is just kind of like an island unto itself at the moment. And there doesn't really appear, appear to be much of a relationship of with New Japan. That's not something that appears to be kind of spoken about. Um, and that was their kind of calling card for a hell of a long time. But with Andrade, I think... I, at the time, I remember saying I thought he'd go to Ring of Honor and New Japan because I thought AEW was a bit too soon. Maybe, you know, give it a bit of a chance to breathe. Because of the LIJ stuff, it was an easy fit to get him into kind of New Japan. You have the La Sombra stuff. You could, you know, there's a lot of videos you can go back to with that. Um, but he'll, be, he'll go to New Japan and he'll like, where's my IC title? And then he'll be like, what? You did what with it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like, where is it? Is that, he loved it. That was a. I mean, I remember enjoying the match where he where he beat Nakamura in yeah. Marina, Mexico, which is the only other time I think outside of this week where a New Japan title had changed hands on um on non New, t- New Japan TV. Yeah, non New Japan non non New Japan TV. That yeah, works out very well. That, but I think there's issues in terms of he's working AAA, so he's wrestling Kenny Omega next month at Triple Mania. Um, this is Andrade. Roosh, I, I 
it seems like he's locked in pretty tight with the Ring of Honor deal. I, so, like, that would be a thing of making sense for it as well. The impression I got here is that it looked like Phoenix and Penta would be turning, which, I'll be frank about it, Phoenix as a heel isn't something I want to see. I think I no. want to see Phoenix as a babyface luchador. His moveset is pure babyface. It's not something that's there at all. Whereas Penta as a heel, I'm fine with that. I think that could work. I think he's got the the better kind of offense for it. But they, again, are kind of spinning their heels, aren't they? Like, again, we find, like, and, and this these are the things we kind of worry about where there's a lot of this roster and you're thinking for this, well, who's this leading to? And the person who's the de facto heel is the one who's got three wrestlers coming out to kind of confront him. It's like, there's a lot of stuff here which yeah. doesn't work. And it's the overall Andrade presentation. The match he's had has been bad. His ring gear was terrible for that. I think all of the interviews have been bad. The Jim Ross one was the best one. And I don't even think that was that good. I think just yeah. by comparison to the others, it was better. This was terrible. I think they lost the audience towards towards the end because the audience started to get confused. And then there was points where Chavo Guerrero takes, yeah, like you say, he took the, the mic off and draw date. And then, but it's like a baby face promo. So it's like, none of this makes sense. And it doesn't feel like it's been well thought out. And I'd sooner... They just delayed it, let him have his match in AAA and th- like kind of give this stuff a little bit of time because I think at the moment it's not working and they, they've they got a record at the moment of turning these things round. You know, it's not entirely impossible, but yeah, I don't know. Well, Am I being... Nah, this is one where they just need it. This is one where they need a bit of consistency as well with like Death Triangle because I feel like Death Triangle's kind of shit the bed pretty much since they first done it. And it's just obviously we've had Pac been in and out of the country. So they were like he wasn't involved. Then there's the, they both had injuries, Phoenix and Penta. So there's been like various variations of, uh, of that. Like it doesn't feel like you actually had the three of them as Death Triangle on a consistent basis for like a four to six week run at any point since they even like first introduced them. So um, this was, that was to- one of the things as they were running this segment, I was thinking, I'm not going to do like a turn now or something, are they? When they've, you know, you know what, what is the plan here for, here for this? It just, I mean, it, it, it almost feels like a natural a big show there. Maybe they're getting you know, <laughs> big show vibes of let's turn him. He's probably there in the back, isn't he? And Tony Khan's here just like saying, this worked, this worked for me. But you look at these four and you just think the matches that they can have, like between, you know, Andrade against these on a pure in-ring basic, there should be magic there for a few, like a, a few of them. But it can't just be like, hey, go in the ring and have a match, can it? You know, it needs to have some kind of substance behind it and, you know, have, have a have a logical reason something that's like been built a bit properly behind it just to give it that extra extra something but again as always he'll say like goodbye you know buy the buy the bit of time give them a bit of uh give them a bit of leeway where they have turned stuff around but i tell you what i'm i'm not the the, the whole andrade thing i'm just not feeling at all i thought you know i was the 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 Chavo, introduction of chavo guerrero you just like fuck like you're just dragging him Dragging him even further, like I, I just I, I can't can't. Serena De La Renta from MLW could have got Serena De La Renta in. If you're going to go budget Zelina Vega, that's who you're getting. Apparently, this Selena Vega is budget Serena De La Renta. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a fair. Yeah, that's a fair shot. I think Serena De La Renta would would be a great mouthpiece. Would work perfectly. 
and she's done the, effectively the same character. But I don't think that's going to be happening at all. And I think if you add another manager to the mix for him, it would just be kind of disastrous from that. Who's yeah, that other was... guy? so who's that other guy with the clipboard behind Andrade? Who's like oh, telling, telling stuff? he's just like a like an assistant who's been there for the last two weeks, and there's no real idea why that is. They're just there, and I'm is that someone famous there. from the Indies or? Lucha World or something like that. I have no fucking idea <laughs> at all. I've got no so idea. he's Andrade's like cousin or something. Then that's he just got a fucking job because of he's just it. lucked out. This lad is just there, and he's turning up on television each week, just thinking I'll stand there in the background. I mean, but but there's been no kind of setup or anything. It's like I'd be fine if he just had a kind of. I don't know, a Virgil type character, obviously without all of the horrific connotations around the Virgil type character. <laughs> Perfectly. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> and there is the title. Um, they, they were horrific connotations around, around Virgil, but it was, you know, if they had someone silent in the background, who might just interfere in his matches. I'd kind of prefer that at this point, rather than even just like a kind of a mouthpiece. Like it's, it's, it's not working. Something no, I know you gave it a, a, a 3.25 and I'd, and I'd probably go with you and this of the rating was the main event, which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, did the best in the 18 to 49. It felt like a way of transitioning Mox, Moxley losing the title without getting pinned or submitted. There's a decent use of Lance Archer as well. I predict that Lance Archer is going to be end up coming back. Uh, to New Japan anyway. It leads to, like, you know, a scene at the end of this, their third highest rating of all time, and we're left with Lance Archer versus Hikaleu, which is mental. But I will say, and I don't know if you've seen it, WH, I watched his match with Fred Rosser, the unsung star of New Japan Strong, and that's as good as Hikaleu as I've ever seen. So, and that was a, a full count anywhere match. But, yeah, I enjoyed this. I thought it was... I I thought it was kind of good plunder fun, and as a TV main event, it was kind of fine. Yeah, that's fine. I I didn't hate it, but you know, can I just say about Hikaleo? And like, I remember last Wednesday being on wrestling Twitter, and and people were like fucking going crazy. Oh my god, Hikaleo's on AEW TV. Oh my god, Nick Gage is on AEW. It's like you would have thought fucking Razor Ramon and fucking Diesel showed up in like 1997 <laughs> and WCW television. It's like it's fucking Hikaleo. He's he's a fucking nobody right now. Like when he actually becomes good, like okay, he has a good match with Fred Rosser. I'll take your word for it, JP. I trust his opinion. Hey. But but he's a fucking nobody. The machine Fred okay. Rosser. No days he's, off. He's a fucking Nobody, Hikaleo. And Nick Gage isn't is an indie deathmatch guy. Okay? Oh, I'm saving him. Had, He's the transition had, into the next okay. bit as well. <laughs> He's a fucking indie deathmatch guy who does cameos for 25 bucks a pop. That's how like fucking Braden from Brandon from New Jersey can afford to send one to John away. Okay, it's not like he paid 100 bucks for fucking Nick Gage because Nick Gage doesn't charge that much. Hello, people. A real star would charge. Listen, if I ever did cameo, I don't want to do them. But if I ever did, I would charge 200 bucks. Because then no one would ever pay it. If I got 200 bucks to do a cameo, I'd be like, all right, 200 bucks. I did. Yeah. I would charge 25 bucks. Not even I would charge 25 bucks for a fucking cameo. Why is he charging 25 bucks? You're underselling yourself, Nick. If you're listening to this, you're probably not. But if you are, you should charge at least 50. That's just my you know, my advice to you. It got a wrap. Huh? Sorry. <laughs> contribute, to, contribute to his next wrap. 
<laughs> oh, if he's rapping, mate, we've got fucking problems for that. Um, but yeah, you've you've mentioned it. We've got we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about it in terms of the Chris Jericho, Sean Spears. I mean, as a as a TV opener, that I thought this is the way you should start off the show. The crowd gets to sing Judas; they're immediately kind of hot for it. It makes sense. We're going to see this a lot, I think, because it's very much um, it. We're playing Mookie Ball at this point, and the thing that he's able to do is just he's thinking about those quarter hours, and he's thinking, "Oh yeah, this is the way you start it off," and you get that hot kind of pop on there. And I thought the match was actually fine for it. I'm not nearly as down on Sean Spears as everyone else. Someone has to take the pin and he's better than Larry Zabisco. So like, I, I think at those points, it's like I'm kind of fine with what his purpose is. What fucking amazed me was after that, where I think there'd been the assumption that it was the five, the labors of Jericho was him running through the pinnacle. Oh no. Um, MJF starts introducing bringing in someone else and when he mentions that he legally had died and wanted to come out and 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 have a fight and then mentioned that he robbed a bank with a mask with without a mask and out came your two favorite wrestler and certainly your both of your wrestler wrestler for 2021 nick gage appeared on national television and very wisely they didn't put the camera on his lips so people could lip read because I think that would have been the first issue with standards and practices, if that's still a thing at Turner. What did you guys make of this entire segment? Because I'll, I'll have to admit, I, I, I fucking loved it. Go on, WH. I'll give you the floor. Um, You're the guest. So while, while I'm watching this unfold on Twitter, not actually on television, I thought that, oh, this is interesting. Wow, it engages on national television. I never thought I'd see the day it's like it's like you know like necro butchers showing up on fucking ring of honor or or <laughs> mick foley finally as mankind showing up on wwf television like that, i thought never thought that would happen but okay here he is and like i thought this is going to be interesting if it's a long-term thing it doesn't seem like it might be it might just mm. like he's being on loan from from gcw and, yeah. and whatever right so that's a good thing and he's wearing the gcw t-shirt that's good for them great yeah. You know, like if it if it brings people to like go see their shows, that's good for them, boost their business. But KG's title as well. KG is still a shit commentator. Don't watch <laughs> don't watch it for that fucking guy's commentary. He's fucking shit. <laughs> Anyways, the, I thought that was interesting. Then I watched it. And I thought, okay, yeah, this is this is an interesting thing. Like if if MJF is the conduit to bring indie people into this company and i guess like the best thing you can do with gage is have him fight chris jericho or the pain maker which is by far the worst gimmick of chris jericho's career and by far one of the worst fucking wrestler personas of the last 20 years in any company of any wrestler is the pain maker what is that it's like some stupid jack nicholson crow the you know kind of mashup with the fucking fedora like what's with the fedora why are you wearing a fucking fedora like, that's what I want to know. And by the way, Sean Spears, he does not wear, like, the kind of haircut that Gareth has as well as Gareth does. He looks like he looks like a, he looks like a healthier Perry Saturn. Let me just say that. That's what he looks like. Okay? And it doesn't look good. But I'll Thank you. But, like, like I, I have no interest in Chris Jericho anymore. Like, there's a point where they had Chris, Jer- Chris mm. Jericho's stats, like, from, like, which they do in AW, right, on the on the TV. And it says something about Prime, and I said... Did it just say he's past his prime? Because that's what I was thinking. 
you know? Yeah, Chris, Chris Jericho is definitely past his prime. Like, I, I, if I never see another Chris Jericho match, I'll, I'll be happy. If I never see him in New Japan again, I'll be even happier because, like, he shit the bed. Pretty, like, he only had one good match in that company. Everything else, I thought was shit. Paymaker was the worst. It was the absolute dog shit worst. Fuck Chris Jericho, you fucking insurrectionist. And allegedly, <laughs> and, and your and your reflexes like a pregnant walrus uh, matches these days, and like I have no interest in that. But yeah, you know what, Nick Gage in AW, interesting. Whether it's more than the one shot, that'll be interesting mm. to see, right? And then whether he can actually transition to being a television wrestler, like, and I mean, like, not saying fuck all the time, like that would be even more interesting in my opinion. I don't, I, I don't know about that. I think I look at him and it's it, for me, it's like you know, the happy Mondays, WH. Yeah, it's like putting Sean Ryder on live national television before the watershed. You can do it and you can ask him not to swear, but he's gonna he's gonna turn up on um TFI Fridays with his bloody um hair bleach blonde yelling fuck like into a into a microphone at half past six on a Friday on a Friday evening. That's the problem here. I don't see any way he goes down walking that ramp and saying the word fricking. I just don't see it happening. Like, I, I, I don't know. Gareth. What, 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 what's, like, seriously, like, what's, what's the value in him beyond this one, like, deal? If you say they're like, oh, you can't have Nick Gage come out and say, like, fucking on you know, they can't, like, lip sync in and things like that. Okay, well, there's one of his redeeming features gone. This man can swear. That's one of the things he can do is swear, and then he's not allowed to do that. So there you go. We've taken that away. Also, what we've got him, we've got him in an arena with, like, 20,000 people full of, like, proper wrestlers, people who look like wrestlers, people who are, you know, in front of crowds who are used to seeing professional wrestlers perform. You've got a guy here who's used to turning up in front of fucking 150 people in the pissing showboat hotel in New Jersey and just like, you know... Oh, no, Gareth, he did his best attendance since New Orleans and Joey What, what, bring what do you do? 160? 170? I think, it, I think it was about... It was certainly about like one and a half thousand, I think, or something along Bullshit, the Bullshit, there was one and a half thousand in that room. <laughs> that, that fucking room. No way does that room hold one and a half thousand... Fuck off. Somebody in the chat, tell us, please. What did, what did, what did Progress do at Wembley? 4,000. You're telling me that there was like, <laughs> there was nearly half as many people in that room as there was at Wembley Arena. What's their fuck? There was fucking a, a couple of hundred. Easy, like, like no problem. But anyway, so I watched this unspoiled. Obviously, like, Benno, you know, you know me, I, I, I go like black on Twitter when I'm watching, uh, Di, you know, Dynamite. I don't want any spoilers. Benno's there messaging me saying, watch Dynamite, watch Dynamite. So then, like, I was like, oh, I haven't got time to watch it. So he was like, just watch the start, just watch the start. And I'm thinking, fuck, Punk showed up or something like that. Like, <laughs> and then like, and then I watch this and bloody, you know, it comes out and then it, and Jeff starts to do his spiel. And then you're like, oh my God, it's fucking Nick Gage. I can't believe it. And then, and then out he comes looking like, like, <laughs> Like I say, in this arena, in this setting, in this professional wrestling setting, he couldn't have looked more shit and more shit indie if he'd tried, like, walking out there. And, like, MJF is a small wrestler, and, like, Nick Gage walks out, and he looks smaller than him. I was just thinking, what is he going to look like in the ring next to Chris Jericho, who, like, Jericho used to appear to be a small wrestler, but when he's in there in the ring with half of these AEW-like lads, Jericho looks like a fucking giant compared to them, especially with his, you know, 
growth over the years outward. Um, you know, so Nick Gage is going to look absolutely... Which is one of the funny like, MJF lines from like when he, op- when he opened it up, didn't he? And he, he, he said it's... something like about Chris Jericho being pregnant or something like that. Uh, he, was, he was echoing it's... my sentiments, what I was thinking at the time. Very true. <laughs> a pregnant but... walrus, though. You know, a pregnant <laughs> I was going to say that's that's closer, but he's like stood there. He's got arms like me. Like he can't fucking wrestle a lick, you know. He's got he's got what what he's got a bloody pizza cutter. He's, he'd be better off working in fucking pizza. Like as far as I'm con- I'm concerned, I think that's more suited for the man's career than turning up on AW Dynamite oh, every, every, every week. And like I was saying this at the weekend. Can you remember when like Warhorse turned up on AEW? That's what he looked like to me. He just looked like a guy who you like get on your TV and you go like, yeah, actually, when you take him out of this tiny little setting where he's over like fucking amongst these you know people who who, who you know follow GCW and and, and follow follow that um, that whole like Nick Gage cult kind of thing that goes with it. Put him in a normal world. Put him in the real world with real people. He ain't fucking get like you know even the, even the pop here with this build up he had a little pocket of a pop but it wasn't a fuck it wasn't fucking big news in the arena that Nick Gage was coming coming out at all and um, yeah uh, I think it's very much going to be one and done for my boy and he can uh, he can get back to you, you know who looks, Nick Gage looks like he looks like he's a fucking Spider Nate Web cosplayer which is same uh, he does yeah. look yeah yeah this, this and, is and, this is brutal lads and then and then he like. Is he actually a good promo? Because all I hear is the same things out of his mouth. It's a fucking MDK all day long. It's like, okay, can you actually say something creative or beyond like, you know, big ups to hatred and fucking justice pain? Rest in peace, lads. But, you know, it's like, (laughs) do do you know anything? Can you say anything beyond like, I'm going to kill you and I'm MDK all day? Like, his cameras, he probably like only charges 25 bucks because it's the same fucking thing he says to everyone, except he just forgets the files for different people's names. You know, that's all. Right. No, G, no E and Gareth, and no I and Way. It's like, <laughs> you know, someone put it in the in the chat here. It's like he he doesn't know how to read files, and I I kind of believe that's true. He's vowel illiterate, which is saying something. You can only see consonants. Otherwise, you're you're, you're just fucking like what's what's it? Uh, what's the thing I'm thinking about where you can't read things? You can read things sideways. Oh, I can't begins with an A. I know what you mean. Yeah. That's what he has with vowels. He can't read vowels. They're invisible to him. Only consonants. <laughs> he, he only deals in consonants. He'd be shit on countdown, which I don't know if you've ever seen. So if he ever, if he, it, maybe he can eat, he, he can read E's so he can say Benno's name right. But I've got an I, image of, I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, um, WH countdown, but I've now got an image of Nick Gage on countdown where it's like, and Nick, what, what word, are you, how many letters in your word? Four. What word have you gone with? Kel surprise, fuck, and then he just like, and he spelt that wrong because he's put a V in instead of the U. Because like, so, so next time he does a promo on yeah. Chris Jericho, maybe he's going to call him Chris Jerko. I'm you gonna, know? I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up for for Nick Gage, uh, like in terms of there is a charisma around him. I know, I know. I'm speak. I'm looking at two people, and it's just who are looking at me, going like, is there fuck any charisma? It's very weird, and the only—I mean, there's a very small little bit of evidence for it. But I remember when I was watching the match, my youngest son, who likes Metallica, was like, "Oh, for whom the bell tolls," 
and like kind of looked at him and he was like, who is this guy? And then I was explaining about his backstory and he was just like, okay, this is, this is kind of wild and it is different and unpredictable. And I suppose the idea of bringing in Nick Gage just adds to the kind of general sense of organized chaos. And it just sort of threw things in a slightly different direction, which means are we going to get in terms of, are we going to get Lance Storm? coming out or something along those lines well, well ba- 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 based, based on this quite clearly chris jericho who narrated that episode of dark side of the ring thought yeah. oh i can be the one who gets uh, nick gage on mainstream tv and i can you know it can be another thing that i can add to my you know thing of oh chris jericho did this so i for one am looking forward to the uh, challenge from grizzly smith next week in the chat someone said what <laughs> moon dog moon dog spot making a comeback <laughs> <laughs> if he's going to go that way just like with wrestling criminals and stuff like that you could go down the Jeff Gaylord route because like apparently he's a terrible bastard of a man if you can remember him from the old Memphis days You're like him and Eric Embry the, the heroes we should have had Rian in the chat says maybe bring, bring in Chris Hero next for it probably feels like it's like you know John Moxley as well there's the links with that the fact he's lost the GCW title and now that kind of means it's already kind of predetermined how we can lose. I think the thing that I'm intrigued by is, are we going to be seeing gimmicked pizza cutters and, and things like of that nature? Is it going down that route? Because if so, you want to leave that shit as close to 10 o'clock as you're going to get away with. Because I've, you know, putting Gage on light in a main event of a televised dynamite, like that's a ballsy move, if nothing else. That's what I would say, guys. Could go horribly wrong. Mm. Yeah, and talking of which, <laughs> oh, this wait, is going to get wait, even more just, fun. Wait, sorry, JP. One, one more thing. You talked about people singing. What Judas in my mind? That's the name of Chris Jericho's entrance name, right? Judas in my mind. Yes. Okay. One, if I was ever caught at an AEW show, you would never see me lip syncing to the song. First <laughs> no. of all, it's fucking terrible. Okay. Two. If if you if I did, I would never want to be caught in television because every time they cut to the audience members singing the song, I thought you people are all fucking stupid. You all look <laughs> horrible. Like you probably can't do karaoke very well. I can, by the way. Just so you know, if we're in Japan, we'll yeah, yeah, you're shit. you're quite the karaoke expert. There uh, was some karaoke going on at the wedding. Which, by the way, for those of you wondering why we're not talking about the wedding this week, I said it earlier in the pre-show. We'll wait until Benno's back on. And then we can go into the wedding in detail because he was there as well, obviously. But it was a bloody good time. Sorry, WH. No, no, no. But like, I just, I just thought everyone singing this song looked like a fucking idiot. And I just like, I know, I oh. like anytime if I ever watch AW Dynamite again or any AW programming and Kiss Jericho comes out in his entrance, I'm just gonna skip it. I'm just gonna okay. I don't want to see the audience members singing this well. stupid fucking song. And just another one more thing. You mentioned Happy Mondays. Stone Roses greater than Happy Mondays. I'd say, well, that first album of the Stone Roses, yeah. The second one, outside, I think, of begging you, like I've got kind of some issues with. Bit of love spreads. Ah, uh, love spreads. Yeah. Okay. That's a crack. <laughs> but that, but that first album by the Stone Roses is. Oh is, yeah. I put a. I think it's better than Oasis's debut album. Yeah. Well, I've had better shits than Oasis's albums. <laughs> are you oh, come aware? On now. Are you, I mean, it was something that I've, you know, I've put in our chat before and I'd mentioned about um, there was a, a venue, a, a gig going on where it was, uh, I'm trying to find the, the picture on here that I think I sent you guys. 
Yeah, there it is. Spike Island, The Resurrection, headlined by the Clone Roses, um, with Oasis, OS hyphen is, Happy Mondays with a Z, The Smiths Limited, The James Experience, True Order. Um, yeah. I, how do you feel about that? Like, it, so I mean, that's all that. Manchester bands that are like cover versions. Of it's all of cover versions of those. It's right. all cover versions of like Madchester bands. So I don't know how you feel about that. I, I It could be a laugh. I've been to see a Smith's tribute gig before. I thought, well, I'm never going to see a Smith's gig, am I? Because they're not going to fucking reform. And then, yeah, I thought it was good. The Morrissey seemed very happy. The guy who plays Johnny Marr, as usual, is left with a fucking impossible task. The best, the other, the best other guy Morrissey getting... tribute guy is actually a dude from Mexico. He's the best cover version of Morrissey you'll ever see. Check him out on YouTube. Like the guy yeah, sounds right. like him. We'll do. Yeah. But it's always, always again, always feel sorry for the poor bar, so it has to be Johnny Marr. It's like, here you go. Go, go and impersonate one of the great <laughs> guitarists of all time. Good Johnny time. Marr is such a great guitarist. I'm in a way where I'm some bloody not... O-Lion and just brill creamy hair up, really, and do a kind of passable Morrissey. It's, Johnny it's Marr lot. can't even replicate his own work, you know? That's how great he is. He can't, he can't replicate live some of his own, like, guitar chords, like, how soon is now? Like he, he has trouble recreating that live because it's so brilliant. He doesn't remember how he created it. So, yeah. But I, I, I did say you could Slipknot tribute uh, in a uh, park when I was half cut in a in Manchester. It was about like four o'clock in the afternoon, and there was, there was a Slipknot tribute band and, um, and just lads they, in masks. <laughs> lads in masks. So it was like I, I was I was about eight beers deep. At that, robbery, I was going to say I was about eight beers deep at that point as well as they were performing. So it was like it was just the real thing, basically. It just sounded as shit, and it was just these lads in in, in masks as well. So it was uh, it felt like you got the real deal for a for me. Love a bit of Festwitch. There you go. Oh, big shout, big shout I'm, out to I'm, I'm game for all of that stuff now, especially in a post-pandemic world. Outside, tribute gigs. Yeah, I'm down with that. I can easily get on board with that, and especially getting pissed up in the park. I can easily get on board with that as well. Only One if Martin Bushby joins us. I, I'll come over oh, and yeah. Martin Bushby joins us. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say I'd be remiss, WH, to have you on here and not bring up the subject of Kenny Omega. Okay. One of the things we haven't mentioned at all is obviously they had the um and admittedly it was it was an awful match seeing Luke Gallows having to do a singles match, but the whole Frankie Kazarian thing was just fucking weird anyway, the way they've been building it up. But then afterwards you had the post match beat down, you had Adam Page and, and and the Dark Order coming out. What do you make of this storyline? Someone who's not following it week to week. Not Based knowing. on that one segment. Based on that one segment, what do you so, make of it? So I'm wondering why the babyface is an alcoholic, the one thing, and he brings out his – why can't he leave his drink in the back? So he's And he's walking towards the ring to save his friend here, which is not something a babyface said. Babyfaces run to the ring to clear out the heels and taking them on by himself. But this is, this is very WWE-ish, you know what I mean? This is something that people don't talk about. AEW is like there are a lot of things that they that they are influenced by WB because like that's just Vince's you know mm. brainwashing of wrestling fans has been going on for the last thirty years. So like you know Tony can't help himself, the Young Bucks can't help themselves, but like be influenced by WB tropisms like like babyfaces walking to the ring with their fucking gimmick drink. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. But just. Just Hangman versus Kenny, sure. I mean, there's the built-in story. They were tag partners, right? And they had that whole being the elite backstory that, you know, it was a big storyline for them. And 
and like hangman someone you gotta push he has to because he's like your homegrown right mm-hmm. he's your first homegrown guy that that's not associated with aew uh with with wb you know like or anywhere else really for that matter like he he's so important to that company so i don't know about like you know this whole bullet club stuff happening in aew they don't call it the bullet club they're the elite i don't know like it's kind of diluted the name hasn't it but like yeah i, I guess it does when you get luke gallows involved Listen, oh, luke you, Ga- you talk nick gage robbing a bank luke gallows has been robbing banks from like fucking promotions oh, yeah. for, since for the last 20 fucking years okay new japan wwe now impact and maybe AEW. I think Benno tells a story of seeing Luke Gallows have his son put on a like a lucha mask and like run around to where the other kids were in the crowd. So those kids then wanted a lucha mask and they would sell a few off the back of that, using his kid as a plant to sell merch, which is the the most Luke Gallows thing you could kind of imagine, frankly. I mean, it's below a Kevin Nash which is ultimately always where he comes across as really is. He's very much pound shop Kevin Nash when it comes to the old shoots and the rest of it. I mean, I have to say, and the chat is respectfully disagreeing with you kind of, well, it's saying in terms of the drink stuff, there is a thing that they've been kind of playing off for quite a long time where it's, it's, it's kind of, it's part of his character if that makes, but in not in a way that's kind of very and obvious. He's always had kind of having a drink. It's about this kind of, being nervous. Why are you laughing, Gary? I'm, I'm laughing adjusting. at the, I'm laughing at the gallows zipping up his top as he's getting punched. I noticed that. <laughs> it was just yeah. like it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful when he went down on the ground for a headlock. I went, oh Jesus fucking Christ! Here we go. But yeah, one of the things, yeah, that I I would uh, I would have to say. I mean, I think this as a story. My fear at the moment is. Is this going to, like, the one thing I don't want to have happen, I suppose, is just that Hangman Page's big match at All Out gets overshadowed by a CM Punk or something like that coming out afterwards. Because if that hasn't already happened by that point on the night, is it going to be a case where people are going to be thinking about that kind of stuff during the main event? So that's, like, the only kind of fear. And I also think he's going to be losing that match at All Out as well. I mean, it's going to be interesting with this five-on-five next week and the, and the elimination match i mean i think that's going to be that that is this week isn't it i think so yeah i yeah. think so you get bloody confused because they announce matches all of the time they've announced i'm going to say they tell you three weeks worth of matches don't they? and then last later well, it's coming at some point i would like them not to tag all their shows as well with a name i think for a few weeks just call it dynamite and just stick with that don't add fighter fest and all the rest of it moving on We've mentioned him already, Nick Gage. If there was an event this weekend, and I think the power of this is that this overshadowed, I think, in some ways, a Tokyo Dome card from New Japan. And to say it was overshadowed by Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona in a um, what could really only be described as a, as a kind of heated atmosphere for it, there's a, there's two things I kind of want to discuss about it. There's the match, and then there's the kind of post-match stuff with it. I know, where do we start with this? And I think we already know what you're going to say. Gareth, I'll go to you first. What did you make of this? Uh, what, of the match as a whole? The match and the post-match. 
I mean, you know what I'm going to think of the match. You know, I thought, yeah. you know, not my cup of tea at all. Like, okay, you know, as you know, as much as I'll like, as much as I'll have a go at Nick Gage and things like that. Yeah, I, I accept. I appreciate that there's this, you know, segment of wrestling fans that this is like, you know, their thing. And you know, clearly for for people who enjoy that sort of thing, that is the, you know, is the is the one who's, you know, for whatever the reason, the most uh, the most over at doing that. You know, I watch a match like this, and I'm just like, this is just fucking dull. I'm just like, there's uh, there's there's nothing here to hold. Oh, my, oh great guy gets piece pizza cutter again, and you know, rubs it back and forward on someone's forehead. Great, okay, like kind of thing. To me, that's like some that's like me watching like Dino Bravo sticking a side headlock on somebody for 20, 20 minutes in, in the eighties or something like that. It's just like yeah, back Got to Canadian it. Canadian in the chat here. Come oh, on, so, sorry, yeah. sorry. Well, yeah, yeah. But sorry. I'm not in the mafia. By the way, you got any cigarettes? You I was, was going to say, don't, don't take any ciggies off him. He'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it was. To, like to me, to me, to me, I'm watching it, and it's like you know, I'll go and watch TNT in Liverpool, and there's death matches on there. There was a death match main event at the show that was like whatever two weeks ago or a month ago or something like that, and it's essentially just the same. It's just like any person standing there, smashing a light tube on somebody's head, somebody smashing a light tube on somebody's head again, somebody like dragging this, you know, this pizza cutter back and forward, and like. Just like, uh, like great. And it's just to, to me, it just feels like there's zero substance to it at all. It's just like, you know, not for me, clearly. Um, on, 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 on that basis, you know, like Matt Cardona's there pissing blood all over the place and like looking in a bad way. And like, yeah, I get zero enjoyment out of that. <laughs> like, like, either I'm not like, it's, 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 it's not, date, especially off that superplex spot. That was just. Yeah, it's like it's not from a squeamish point of view. It's just like, like so what kind of thing? Like it just doesn't it doesn't make any impact on me at all. It's just like just big deal kind of thing. It's it's you know it's just it just oh yet again and again and again. You know another month goes by and someone's pissing blood from you know having a light tube or a pane of glass like hit them slightly in the wrong way. Like okay, yeah. Where, where's the art in this? Where's the where's the where's the talent in this? You know, there the, there is none. You know, none at all. And then, like the angle at the end of the match, obviously with the the four four zero coming in, like to me that just like made things even worse. I just thought that was just looked like utter dog shit the way that that was delivered. Delivered. It just you know again, it just it it just sort of. Slowed everything down from where it was. It was just, it just seemed just a bit odd in in in, in the way it delivered. You know, I, I know I haven't been following that RSP storyline and things, so I get that somebody's going to get a kick out of that if they've been watching this feud and thinking they were together and then seeing that turn. I'm thinking of Benno like, specifically here. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Benno was. Uh, I'm sure Benno was punching the air and uh, yeah, reaching for his uh, toolbox or something like that to uh, go, you know, go, go mad at that point. But, um, but yeah, you know, not for me. However, saying that, so I was given this match a two star based on that, like, cause it was mm. just the shits. Like yeah, yeah, that was a conservative two star as well for the fact that the crowd did seem to be into it. Saying that, then when the result happened and then the crowd went fucking berserk and started throwing everything in the ring at the end, I loved that. I like. I loved the raw like emotion of that. The fact that they'd, they'd you know worked the crowd to that extent that they were so pissed off and so mad that this guy had come into their 
you know, shitty little social club and walked away with the title and WWE guy and all that. And then like, so I nudged it up to two and a half on the basis of that. And, you know, that like, I know people were talking about the, um, you know, the, the danger of it and things get thrown in the ring and things like that. And like, for me, it's like, come on, we've just been watching people like twatting each other with light tubes and panes of glass and, you know, et cetera. cetera. There's blood all over the place. Like, is that bottle of uh, Mountain Dew really going to make a big deal <laughs> kind of thing that's uh, that's flying into the ring there? That was the most impressive thing. Part of it for me was that level of emotion and engagement that we had, that, that you had there at the end, that people were that angry and that invested in the match and that into it that yeah, they got a uh, got an extra half star out of me for the uh, for the for the for the helmet at the, at the end. But I mean, you know, as a, as a, as an overall thing, it's just like okay, in this. You know, in this little bubble, great, yay! Like, what a good little thing. But you know, the you know, the the the, the reality is, is like, I'd love to see the fight numbers. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many mil- I wonder how many tens of thousands of those they sold. <laughs> WH is wow. there anything? You- I, there's not much I can add to like the, the match itself in terms of what Gareth said. Like I, mm. I, I'm I'm not. It's not my genre. Like I, and I'm one of these people. Like I'm maybe like Shane from Global Force Wrestling is going to be a gas, but like the you know deathmatch wrestling is not wrestling to me. If people like think of it as mm. wrestling, that's fine. Like I know there's that argument. It is wrestling. It's not wrestling. I'm on the the camp that says it's not wrestling because the wrestling I like doesn't involve like weapons. Like I'm not a fan of plunder in general in mm. wrestling, and I think plunder. Not even New Jack back in the day. Fuck, I hate New Jack. You know, <laughs> he's terrible. Anyways, the uh, not a good human either, really. Either. Bless him. I'm sorry, he's dead. That's awful. Shouldn't be saying. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to get my train of thought. So, like, sorry. plunder should be the culmination of a of a of a month long feud. It shouldn't be the beginning point. Do we? Do these two guys hate each other? No. Why are they going to hit each other with light tubes? Ah, because there there's something wrong up here. Like in, in in the way their brain works, there's some chemicals missing that they aren't flowing correctly up there. So that's why they're doing that. Okay. So, but that being said, have I seen death matches live? Yes. I've been to big Japan shows in Japan, mm. been, you know, and I've been to several big Japan shows, May, not mainly for the strong division, not for the death, death match division, but have I seen death matches that I've enjoyed from big Japan? Yes, I have because the wrestlers involved are actually good wrestlers who happen to do death matches, not death match. Re- death- people who do death matches that pretend they're wrestlers which is what nick gage is he's not a real wrestler he's a death match guy who pretends he's a wrestler and he does death matches because he can't actually wrestle whereas someone like masashi takeda is actually a good wrestler who does death matches sami kodaka is a good wrestler because i've seen them have good wrestling matches without plunder but they happen to love doing death matches and and they get paid very well to do it in, in, in japanese wrestling so like ricky shane page is he actually a good wrestler i doubt it is like are any of these guys in 440 where the fuck this dorky fucking MAGA club is called uh good wrestlers probably not i don't know they probably got some charisma to them i think this atticus cougar he seems like he's got some charisma is he actually a good wrestler i have no idea i've never seen any of his matches so i can't roughly see ricky Shane i've read Page, his I... name out a ton on the weekend show but i never get around to watching his wrestling matches. but but you know like ricky shane page i've never seen him have a good even like a good match like I don't know if he's a, I don't think he's a good wrestler and Nick Gage let's be honest like he's a charismatic guy but he, and people drawn to that for some strange reason but is he actually a good wrestler if you're really honest with yourself you could be the biggest Nick Gage fan in the world you could tell me with a straight face he's as good as Brian Danielson 
I will say you need to no. get your eyes checked. I'm sorry. You have that opinion, but you need to get your eyes checked and you need to like start watching some proper fucking wrestling if you if you have that opinion. Okay. The match itself, whatever, it, it is what it is. Like I'll never watch it again. Like Matt Cardona, I think the I think the novelty, and it's fucking novelty. It's like, oh, it's woo-woo guy. He's gonna fucking do some fucking light tube spots and get cut open by Nick Gage. That's the only reason anyone cared because it's a WWE guy. It's fucking, you know, long 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 Island Ice Z, where the fuck his nickname was on his YouTube show. He's the guy, and like the commentary is constantly going on about his action figure fetish. Action! Oh, he's like action figures, like action yeah. figures. Like, okay, I'm sure each and every one of you who is on that fucking commentary, Slack. Okay, sorry, he's not a fucking neo-Nazi allegedly. Like, so you got to make fun of his fucking action figure hobby. At least he's not like putting down people of color. You fuck. Anyways, you know what I mean? Like, so, like these these fucking guys, and I'm and it's sad to hear Dave Prezak have because he's a great commentator, but he has to mm. stuff with these fucking idiots that are on commentary with him. Like, I like GCW as a whole as a te- television product is almost unbearable just from the commentary alone like there can be good wrestlers on there they can have good matches but the commentary alone is shit because they're all fucking gotten to little fucking like like you know thin-skinned dickheads because they're like oh well this fuck you person at this wrestling website who caused who do that loads you know, don't they like, dude if you and we're gonna you, talk about it they did it with dave Meltzer during this he's he was the de facto heel for the second yeah. show and if you if you feel that way, don't do commentary anymore. If you can't take the fucking heat, get out of the fucking kitchen. You know what I mean? You just ignore people. That's what I do. You know, I ignore people who don't like what I have to say. That's you don't have to like it. That's... I don't. I don't have to listen to you either. But the as far as the angle goes, the the throwing of all the the, the bottles mm. and shit like that, like for one thing, like I look at that and I think, yeah, would I do that? No, because I respect the performers in the ring. But I understand the people who who enjoyed it, like. That's raw emotion. That's actual genuine heat. Okay. I can appreciate it on that level. Would I do it? Never. I would never throw anything into the ring because I respect the people who put their bodies on the line already to throw anything at them. Like, I just think, I do think that's disrespectful. Do I think Dave, Dave Melter went like a little overboard? Like to me, it was surprising to see Dave's comments because like, dude, you covered ECW. You covered fucking Memphis. I was going to say. Florida. Like Eddie Graham, Florida, like fucking Jerry Lawler, Memphis, like you must. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, you know, like Carlos Colon's Puerto Rico, where people are being like, and you would, he would write about this stuff, like not condoning it, like these kinds of like, oh, they try to murder people in, in the crowds, like you know, or they try to kill like, um, you know, fucking Ezekiel Jack, you know, like no Zebekiah, what fucking you know Jake Hager's fucking manager in WWE, right? Dutch Mantel. Dutch Mantel. They try. Oh, they used to try to murder Dutch Mantel. Like he, he wouldn't say it like it was great, but like. The tone you get is like he he thinks that was when pro wrestling was was great. Like you get that genuine heat, but then he's condoning he's not he's condemning this this behavior. But if I saw like a ton of cans being thrown there, I'd be like, that's fucked up. You, you, but like WCW, well, there were reports of that, weren't there? Yeah, I saw some cans, but like most of them well, were there was, like you know like bottles and stuff, right? But uh, there but was he, pizza cutters that oh, people uh, threw in the room. Well, fuck them, fuck those people. You're you're yeah. Just, it, these these kinds of fans like that are at GCW shows like I don't know if I want to go and be among them because mm. like I think they're too invested in trying to be part of the show and not enjoy the show and I I I am a fan who wants to enjoy the show I don't want to be part of the show I don't make stupid chants at shows trying to get myself over at the expense of what's happening in the ring and I hate fans like that right that's why going to Japan you don't get fans like that unless they're from outside of Japan right but yeah, in, one in Israeli Toronto, bloke. 
Uh, he's uh, don't get me started. Okay. Anyway, don't come to Tuesday night graphs with me. <laughs> I, 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 better, I better not go to see any shows with the Ogdens, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> no, their chants work, and I would say in the case of like they, yeah, they're not really ever about. They, they do work, but but like Dave covered WCW Nitro, where the MWO were getting pelted with shit from the mm. fucking WCW audience. So I don't know why, and I think they they threw more stuff. Like there's that great one where like so something's coming. It's a it's a it's a plastic cup full of. Beverage or something, and fucking Kevin Nash is foo. I'm like, what a what a champ that guy is for, for yeah. that one. But it's heat. Like, if people, if Cardona doesn't care, okay. I felt more, I felt worse for the referee in that in that ring than mm-hmm. I did for Cardona, to be honest with you. But would I do it? That's I think the thing is, would I would I ever throw anything in the ring? Never, never. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, 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 a look. The way that they seem to be going on this is they're kind of doubling down on it, which if you're dealing around the margins of wrestling and you're not dealing with a lot of money and you find yourself in an angle like this where it's generated the heat, and I'll I'll stick up for kind of a few bits of this. I thought the match itself, I agree with the novelty value, but there was a novelty value to watching Zack Ryder in this environment. And he'd done some very kind of good, nice little bits of heel work and the build-up, like describing them as the GCW universe and things like that which is a good touch and he's quite funny. I think because the precedent is there from kind of um, uh, uh, the NWO in terms of if you're really disgusted by an angle, you throw in the kind of plastic cups and the bits of rubbish. And because that became a kind of staple of Nitro, there is that element of where it's like, well, it's almost like it's an accepted part of it. And then when we talk about ECW, what did they use on their TV opening? All the chairs being thrown into the ring and one of them hitting Terry Funk on the back of the head as he collapses to the floor. And, you know, it's all part of the reverence of it. The problem lies is that it's a dangerous game when you start going, you can throw stuff in the ring because it only takes one person and that's it. And that's, and I think that's the issue in terms of the, the kind of level of heat, everyone involved, I'd imagine is fucking delighted with the overall response, the fact that Meltzer had tweeted that and spoken about it, the fact that the next night, the Mark Sterling character, and this is where it gets weird, who's in AEW as Jade Cargill's manager, but here is Matt Cardona's agent or something. He got pelted with rubbish when he said he agreed with Dave Meltzer and he was going to sue all of the fans. So this is something they're going to be doubling down on. My fear is these don't seem like people who are going to go, do you know what? we should just agree to throw like toilet paper, like it's Jimmy Rave in ring of honor or something like that. They're going to be throwing fucking ridiculous things. They're going to chairs, behave like chairs are next. That's, that's like normal. Oh, chairs, next level. Chairs, chairs are, next. are next. They remind me of, I think there were some people who managed to sneak a Vespa into a Serie A game in Italy at football <laughs> once. And they threw it into the away fans at the San Siro. Like that kind of stuff is you think, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. They start throwing big stuff in there. And there was like reports of kind of loaded cans, but initially then it was all kickstarted by apparently some plants in the front row. It's, it's a wrestling angle. Will it lead to anything else? They're doing war games off the back of this. Matt Cardona as GCW champion. Is he going to be doing lots of death matches? Probably not. It'll work out for them, but I worry about like, that these aren't the kind of fans who are going to kind of get, oh, yeah, yeah, this is 
you know, this is the throwing the stuff in. I've just got a bad feeling they'll start lobbing like full cans of coke or beer at his head. Because if I'd done that at Rev Pro and I'd like like thrown in an empty can of beer, I'm expecting to get dragged out and possibly getting a few punches into the belly as I'm being thrown out of the place as well. So, but here it's, that's what they're selling it on. They're selling it on that kind of an anarchic attitude. And because we don't see stuff that generates that kind of heat, you know, it's kind of worked. And Unless you're at an ROH show with Joe Lemon. That's right. He he originally kickstarted it against Brian Danielson, who was fucking livid about that as well. And he was just like, I love I love him, and I can never tell him that it was me who did this. And he'd see him and take photos with him afterwards. It's like, yeah, <laughs> getting it back in. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I suppose in some ways I'm kind of like the person who needs to talk about all of this stuff isn't here this week in Benno. Um, <laughs> I think in terms of the heat and everything else, it, it's generated like a real sense of buzz. And this might be the kind of, in its own weird little way, and this from a, you know, he won money in the bank at WrestleMania, but that doesn't seem to mean shit compared to this, where he is, this is something I think for Matt Cardona, if he's doing this anti-indie WWE guy, like that's the character for him. It's the character he should be, playing possibly an impact and everything else but that's you know they're like ripping off wwe even more than AEW. so there you go sorry big old rant there <laughs> talk fucking loads new japan we had the uh there we is unless you guys got anything else to add did you watch anything else from gcw i didn't see drew parker apparently his better death match against alex cologne but i i, I tried i thought i tried to watch all of it but i thought i don't have time no, I, I'm kind of interested in some of the other matches. Like, um, I'll say this about Drew Parker: like, kudos to that guy. You know, he came over from 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 England to to you know, do a spot for for Big Japan, and it turned into like a year plus. Now he's been there, and like his, I think his, maybe two. His Japanese has gotten really good. Like, he can appear on television shows, like Battle, you know, Battleman. It's a TV show, like on Saturday right. TV, and he can do. He can talk about. His, you know, pro- promoting whatever match or show he's going to be on without a translator, like in Japanese, because he's and he can cut promos in Japanese. It's really impressive. Like, and like to me, that to me tells me that he's invested in in this company in Big Japan, and mm-hmm. he's invested in being in the country, and like he cares about the culture, which I, I I appreciate someone who's lived there as well, right? And I had seen him like at I've been to Big Japan shows that he was at. It was one show in Yokohama. And he was going around like a lot of the, the thing about big Japan wrestlers is that they, they try to create this community sense with the fans. Not like, you know, what I hear kind of like you guys talk about like the, the fan culture and the, the like t-shirt selling culture of like British Brit res to the fans here. It's like very different in Japan. And, and Drew Parker really made a point of like trying to be friendly to all the fans in the hallways before the shows and stuff like that. And, and like, in a, in a positive manner, not in a Brit res kind of a way. Um, <laughs> But but I thought you know good for him. I'm not I'm not a fan of his work or anything like that. You know because it's, it's not my genre of wrestling that I enjoy watching. But I I am a mm-hmm. fan of like seeing the effort from him and like good for him. Like he put the work in to become. He he changes gear. Thank God he doesn't look like he's like a skateboarder kid anymore. Yeah, know? I thought that that's a notable thing on there. Yeah. And he's bet on himself, yeah. which you never see enough Western wrestlers do. It's like kind of a Gabriel kid. 
you look at someone like that and go, you're really just like, you're betting on yourself here that you're going to be able to succeed and you're taking yourself so far out of your comfort zone that you're able to do it. I mean, Chris in the chat, uh, Chris Lene, um, one of the hosts of Graps and Claps, he's, you know, he's more into his death matches than I am. And he, he, he said that, that that's a match that's that's possibly worth going back and, and watching. But also he was wrestling for Big Japan the day before, which is wild. Yeah. He got to work in the States. Like that's an insane trip, but you know. Maybe four, 13, 14 hours on a plane and then he went straight to the venue apparently. So yeah. So I can uh, get respect, like the the effort that that Drew Parker has made to bet on himself. Like you know, yeah. I don't think it's necessarily worked out as well for Gabriel Kidd right now, and or even like Chris Brooks and DDT. But mm. but Drew Parker, like it's like you know, like kudos to the guy. Like I hope continued success for him. I I probably never watch really any of his matches on a regular basis, but hey, kudos to him for, yeah. for really investing in Japan and on himself. So there you go. Yeah, the learning the language is always the big sign. And again, I'm always coming back to footballers and British footballers historically would go uh, uh, to play in Italy and Spain. And would they learn the language? Would they fuck? There's zero interest in that. Not like what, did he, what, what did Ian Rush say? It was when he when he played for Juventus in Italy. It was, was like, like living, li- in, a living in a foreign country. <laughs> is what yes. He said. yes, Ian. He is. is. He's the kind of bloke where when he goes there, he wants to find look, find me an English pub. Are they showing only fools and horses? And did they sell fry ups? You know, that's 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 the kind of lad he is. And Drew Parker isn't like that at all. Um, but you know, speaking of Japan, it's a good link there. This weekend it's amazing. It's this far kind of down in the list. But we had a new Japan show at the Tokyo Dome in July which is odd in and of itself. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't know how I feel about this card because in some ways there's large swathes of this show that made me quite cross. A one particular match where I managed to get quite a lot of housework done in that time, where it's like, it just doesn't need to go this length at all. But on the other hand, we had a main event that, was I thought was really good and really good fun. Uh, 4.25 on the app um, and thought it was like a kind of really, considering the circumstances and considering that Tanahashi had already wrestled 25 minutes the night before at his age with his back and his knees. When in doubt, you know, you don't have Kota Ibushi and, you know, we talk about all the other people who are missing from this card. There's no, he's not there. Osprey's not there. Jay White's not there. You can't bring a Moxley or a Chris Jericho into the company at all. Instead, they put Hiroshi Tanahashi in there. And I thought, yeah, this was a, a, a really, really good, fun, big main event match wrestled by two guys who know how to wrestle main events. Um, WH, your thoughts? On, on the show overall, I just thought this is such a pointless show. Like, I look at all the empty spaces in Tokyo Dome. I thought, why? Well, they need money. So they sold like over 5,000 tickets, right? Less over five, less than six. And hopefully they made some profit off of it. But it's like, it's in, it's another show in a string of so many shows that they don't need to be doing, except they're desperate. But you're burning out all your wrestlers. You're burning out all your angles. You, you're not going to have anything for the Tokyo Dome. Like, I have no idea. Like, they're, they have these ideas that they're mentioning in commentary. 
in the English commentary of like, oh, Tetsuya Naito wants to be the champion again. He wants to be in the main event again. So like I'm thinking, oh, okay. So my my theory is that, okay, Okada is going to be the next challenger after Evil. I don't think she goes to the same title to Evil. Fuck. Can you imagine that happening? I would, Jesus. Like, and Chase Owens beyond the realm of fucking possibility with these lads, though, isn't it? And, and Chase Owens being the G one, I'll just fucking give up on New Japan in general. Then <laughs> that happens, but but then Okada is maybe going to be the next challenger. Though I would save Okada for you know like the, the you know like the, the, the Tokyo Dome, like do the rematch there with Shingo. But if he if he challenges again, okay, Shingo beats him maybe. But they might be going back to Okada Naito for for the Tokyo Dome again. Which I'd be like, you, you made money off that the, I guess the first time, first two times. Okay, you think you can make money off of that again? I have no interest in seeing that match ever again. Like I think we we peaked with Naito beating him for the title. I don't think you're gonna see creatively, like, like a anything better. Like I I don't see what the point of having Okada get his win back. He's already beaten him the first time when they challenged him, and where Naito lost that the challenge, and then he beat you know Okada later on. Um, so again, like overall, like the show, I thought it was just so unnecessary. Like I gave, I think there were some good matches on there, but overall, like I gave the opener, not, not the battle Royal handcuff bullshit thing. That, that was atrocious garbage. I don't know whose idea that was. It's either, I got to think it's probably Dick Togo's because apparently all the bad ideas in New Japan are his fault. So Dick Togo, <laughs> go fuck yourself. Uh, the, the, Junior tag title match between Bullet Club and Mega Coaches. I gave that two and a half stars. It was okay. Nothing. But it's just like, you know, it's like the greatest hits of all four guys. They're not doing anything creative or interesting. It's just the, they're just, they're same moves again and again. Was, okay. Which but it was fine. Uh, Desperado versus Robbie Eagles. I, I think this is my second favorite match on the show. I love this match. I thought it was such a great limb work match. Such great wrestling psychology. And it's nice to see Robbie Eagles kind of get out of the element of being a high flyer and be a ground wrestler. And Desperado was right up there with him, and just such great drama between these two. So I really like that. Give that four stars. Uh, uh, Okada versus Cobb. I like this. This is another four star match. I think they have such excellent chemistry with with each other. Um, for me, the down the, the, the downside to any of these matches is the crowd. Like they can't cheer. There's so much empty space in the Tokyo Dome, which mm. I think is so strange to see. Um, but I can't, I can't fault the work between Okada and Cobb. I think, I think this is the best that Cobb, this, this year is probably the, the peak of Cobb's career so far. And if you don't think about putting the belt on him, like down the line, maybe in 2022 or 2023, I don't know why you would keep having this guy on your roster, except to put over people, which I think is just a complete waste. Uh, the tag team title match, I guess this might be what JP's talking about. I, I did not like this match. I gave it three stars out of just you know, the, the, the back half of this match, the front half of this match, the first 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes is boring because nothing happened and nothing really played into the finish. In my opinion, uh, the, the, the last 10 minutes of this match were, were fine, but like, am I ever going to want to watch this match ever again? No, never. If you want to fall asleep, you well, come there you go. For that. Well, there you go. But again, like the whole storyline that the, the commentary team was talking about from, especially from Chris Charlton is that, Oh, Naito doesn't, you know, Naito wants to be the, the IWGP heavyweight champion again. So why did you give him the tag belts? It's like, you know, you're asking the same question that apparently, you know, Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. are asking. You know, why are you why are you talking about the tag team titles if you want to be the, the singles champion again? So I didn't, I'm not a fan of that. But mid-event, four and a half stars, Takagi versus Tanahashi. 
listen, Tanahashi, when it, when you need that, you know, someone to like fill in and you need him for a big spot, like the main event of a Tokyo Dome show, that shouldn't be happening in the first place. But if you need it, there's no better person to go than Tanahashi, yeah. except for Okada, but he's already busy. So, and, and it's a good storyline reason. You have yeah. him, he beat Shingo for the never open weight title. There was an E, like it, it was the thing. I mean, I, I think I'd originally said on the, the weekend show, I thought, are they going to go with Hiromu? Are they going to try and hotshot something to put in there? I'm glad they didn't. Like, as soon as it was, I kind of saw people going, oh, Tanahashi, it makes sense. You're like, yeah, when in doubt, just get someone. He's a big main eventer. He's going to have a match. The crowd are going to react as much as they can react to him. And therefore, it's common sense. And he knows how to work this. Plus, he's got someone in there like Shingo, who also knows how to work that big main event style. So you've kind of got two guys who even though they know they're going long and there's three matches on this show that are 35 minutes out of a six match card, which I think that needs to be spoken about. Um, Cause there's so much on this where you think you could lose 10 minutes of quite a bit of stuff. And yeah, the, for that to be the case, particularly the Rambo, which just shouldn't have existed in the first place. But Gareth, what did you make of it as a show? Overall, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of similar to WH really in that, you know, there were matches on here that I, that I really enjoyed, but it was just that feeling of like, what is this kind of thing? I think when I first turned it on and then you sort of see the vastness of the Tokyo Dome, so, you know, obviously with so much light in there and so much empty space in there and you're just looking at it and just thinking like, why why is this even going on in this place right now it just had that kind Especially of when there's an olympics down the road that can't have anyone exactly and it just it just felt so odd and then when you talk about like okay how many people were in there i was just thinking how much does this place cost to hire <laughs> like you know this must be you know to wash your face on this building you must have to sell some pile of tickets just to just to cover the uh hire and running costs i don't know how it works and, and and what relationships they've got and things like that but i was thinking there's no way they can be making money on this building here and um so that 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 just all all just felt a bit odd and i, and I think it was sort of like built into it is the lack of buzz that there's been around new japan generally but then i think just the lack of buzz around this show like it was i, I think it literally was probably about Wednesday, Thursday last week, then I even realized this was going ahead. And then the idea of thinking that there's a New Japan show going on in the Tokyo Dome, and it sort of felt inconsequential, really. It just felt like nobody was talking about it. It didn't feel like a big, you know, a big, big deal at all, really. So, again, I think that's always something that like affects your mood kind of thing when you're going into a show. Obviously, when you're kind of like geared up for it and you're hyped and you've been thinking all week about, you know, three or four matches on a card that you're really excited about and you think the event's going to be like a big show and things like that. It always, I think that mood going into it always has like a, an impact on, on, on how you view the show. And then, so I think starting things off and then, you know, unfortunately I did watch the Rambo and then like, you know, obviously that original, you know, tag match as well. You were kind of like sat there an hour and a half into a show at the end of that match thinking like, like, fuck, what am I doing with my life? Kind of thing, really like sat here watching this. I was even thinking maybe I should have watched Battle Riot at that point. But, um, but I really did. 
I really did get perked up by the Robbie Eagles Desperado match. Really, really enjoyed that. I think it was. Um, I was really surprised. Like when I, you know, I saw on the app the averages come through, and I think it was like tracking at like three point six or something like that. Like I went four stars on this. Like uh, it was. It was one of those where you know WH mentioned the the the, the limb work in there. I just thought Eagles was was first class with that here with him going into the with the knee injury i think the way that he like it were like he's, he's selling in this match where he was like he, 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 he remembered to sell it at all times but he wasn't like selling it dead like he was still hitting moves with his bad leg and that, like that's my favorite kind of selling is that yes it still hurts but in the adrenaline of the match and in that in that thing of the contest you're still trying to win of course you're still going to lose your leg you're going to fucking pay the price for it tomorrow or, or later in the match or something like that potentially but you know i think it was it was it was ace. It was like a new side of Robbie Eagles that I've, you know, not seen before or, or, or not seen as much, and you know, really, really enjoyed that. And then I think, um, like, sort of towards the end when he when he put on that finisher, that Ron Miller special, like mm-hmm. the way that like he. You know, he broke the hold off and he like really kicked into his legs and then he like really cranked it in deeper. It was such a like I loved it just as a submission to finish finish the match. And it just left me like feeling really kind of like, yes, I was on his side to like win that belt like by the end because the way it, it worked. It so he, he absolutely had me in a match where going into it cold at the start, I had no investment at all. But Robbie Eagle's work just totally, uh, totally got me into it. So, you know, that was a good, good solid four stars for me. I, I, I really enjoyed that one. I mean, I'd, I'd go with you on that, on that match. Cause I think that one is like, I, it just needed a, a kind of a shot in the arm. I think in a way, just like a new fresh face in that junior division. And it's good seeing, um, uh, uh, Robbie Eagles kind of get elevated because I mean I've followed a bit of his work and his work. He was an MCW last month as well, and this is someone who's put in the hard yards. And it's probably more of a shame for him that he didn't uh, such a big high profile match for him. He wouldn't have had any sort of friends or family being able to come over with him as well. That's always a kind of disappointment. But I'd be be with you on be with you on that as well. And like I say, relatively simple story about uh, you know regarding kind of limb work with them both sort of going after each other's legs and i enjoyed uh, i thought it was notable that aussie open were mentioned a couple of times by kevin kelly yeah, on the broadcast yeah. as well that seemed to suggest that that they were going to be coming in which i'm completely down with as well on that i think that's that's obviously been a long time coming um for us over here we've kind of always been been aware that that might be happening so i'd expect to see them possibly around that um tag league because, um, you know, it, but it's it's certainly like an interesting direction to go in with Robbie Eagles. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you on that. I think I only went three and a half on that. And I think I may need to, to kind of I've enjoy, enjoyed it a lot more than that. Um, sorry, Gareth, I interrupted you there. Just a good morning. No, no, it's fine. And, and and you just made me think of something else there. Because, again, we've talked as well about, like, the junior division needing freshening up. And it's been, like, the same faces, like, very regularly. And that win does freshen it up. There's some new matchups that can happen there and new combinations of people. So it definitely, um, you know, definitely that junior division has, has just had a little kickstart, I think, to it with uh, with that result. Uh, obviously, you know, that was then followed by the Carbacada match, which is, you know, another one that I really enjoyed. Gave it 3.75. And given that, like, 
I've not been watching New Japan as avidly as I would have done previously. And that, you know, in the past, I'd have literally watched everything that they put out on New Japan World and, you know, watched the, the lot. I've been very much picking and choosing, and it's been very much more like big cards that I've been watching. But this year, Jeff Cobb, every single time I see him, I'm just like, who is this bloke? Like, he's just put it together. Everything it is, it is whatever he's doing over there, whoever he's working with, whoever, you know, the, the way that they're you know, talking to him about his matches and developing that side of things. Mm. It's like you used to get him and, you know, you'd, you'd get these occasional Jeff Cobb matches where you thought like, oh, yeah, this guy looks like he's got something. And then you'd see maybe like two or three where they were a bit average and that's that sort of shit, shit the bed a little bit. I think you've said in the past, JP, like he sort of almost like rose to the level of his opponent sometimes. Mm. And like he, you, you then got that like higher level out of him. I feel like he's just delivering every time. And he, he looks like a killer. He looks like he looks like a fucking million bucks when he's in there. Everything that he does just looks like so intense and so hard hitting. And then it plus, like, with the power that he's got, he just makes things look realistic as well. There was that, there was that spot where Akada dived on the outside and Cobb caught him on the outside and then just turned it into, like, a deadlift suplex. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, you're like, the natural strength and power of this bloke. Like, he looks so realistic, and whatever fire they've lit, over, lit under him in Japan, like, God, it's it, it's absolutely changed changed him. And I, I, I just think as a career trajectory now, I think WH said there, if they're not thinking about putting a belt on him next year, they fucking should be, because he's, he's just, like, yeah. rocketing forward. He's, you know, I, I think I pointed, it out, pointed out at the time, like, he beat Osprey in the G1 last year. Well, if Osprey's coming back, Cobb looks like the main man in that <laughs> in that group for me, not Osprey. Like Cobb's the one who should be front and center. They should be fucking booting Osprey out of the group. He is a guy who I think is going to be like spoke about certainly the most improved wrestler. Just thinking of the kind of year he's had and and the kind of and I completely agree with that in terms of the character work on three point seven five on this, like. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Knew I was going to enjoy it. I think if, if the only kind of gripe I would have, I think there's an optimum Jeff Cobb match time length. And it was like kind of what they did with Shingo at the Dome, where it's around that 15-minute mark. And I think that's kind of the thing that I'd be doing with him. But they've managed to just... Him as a heel. And I know, WH, you, there's been times where you've not been impressed by Jeff Cobb. And, no. he's, and he's known that as well, hasn't he? Very directly. But, um, but here, what, like... You know, would you? It's the fact of him turning it around is, I mean, these are the little kind of crumbs of joy that they've had, like along with like a Shingo as well, that, yeah. that he's he's managed to come through. I, I think maybe Gareth said it like he he wrestles to the level of his whatever push he's getting. Mm. So the matches I've kind of criticized his performances were on like strong. Where he's mm. gonna lose to, he knows he's gonna lose to Kenta in like some challenge for like the challenge the for the US briefcase yeah. stuff. And okay, I don't blame him, but at the same time, like yeah, and I tweeted about it, and someone showed it to him, or he saw it, and then he like, oh, sorry, I didn't do fifteen flips in the first seven minutes, and yeah, that was my little running joke. It's like, hey, where are my flips, dude? You promised me. Next time <laughs> I'll do them, anyways. But he he has gotten so much better since he's come back to Japan. And since I really think since he kind of went heelish with United Empire, yeah. I think that was the trick. It's like, okay, because like he was he was like wrestling as a babyface. He shouldn't be wrestling as a babyface. He should be wrestling as a killer. Like yeah. they and they have that formula with people in the past with like Vader and Scott Norton, Giant Bernard, 
people like that. And that's how you should push Jeff Cobb. And I finally, they're finally doing that. I like the fact that, you know, Okan is his mouthpiece kind of like for, you know, to, if you want to say something in Japanese, okay. He's like, Okan is kind of like the perfect, like what, what Andrade needs in AW, like Cobb has in Japan with Okan, right? Like, like that's great. Cause he speaks English and he, and he can translate things into English for Cobb. And then he can talk for him in Japanese and stuff like that. And I just think like him being kind of, a mean surly bastard is a great persona for him to have, especially that the longer hair he wears it over his face. He's kind of got like like Taz with the towel, you know what I mean? But he, it's his hair yeah, with the yeah, towel, right? Yeah. So I think that's a great look for him. So I and I I think you know the, the natural thing. Osprey comes back. Cobb says, "Fuck you! You left us. You know you yeah. you, you know you you left us because you're a little crybaby." Blah, blah blah blah. And then he kicks him out, and it's him O'Con and maybe. You know, get Gabriel Kidd in there. Maybe that's his excursion. He joins the United Empire with these guys. We still got Hanare, who's in there as oh, well. Oh yeah, you know, I, I, Cobb and Hanare, I think would make a great bruiser tag team. I think so. And dear Lord, I mean, well, they're and building they need up to freshen up that that tag division even yeah. more, right? So I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, well, they've they've put in Goto um, and Yoshihashi, haven't they? as the the kind of like like a three-way challenge going on there which in some ways i've said it a long time it gives them something to do if you are going to always keep them around and do something it's like well the tag division and i think i'll always stick up for big match goto i always think you know go goto in those dome matches where every year is like why is goto in there and it's just like well, him and Shibara have delivered an absolute fucking belter here, or him and Ishii have, and you know, the, like the, those kind of good memories of that. I can't say it makes me excited. It's not Gorillas of Destiny, if you want me to take a positive from it. Like at least they're not going back to that. They did get mentioned, like by Kevin Kelly, as if for him to say, "Please don't go back to that." I don't think <laughs> I could call another one of those matches. I've got nothing left to give on that on on that front. Um. So yeah, and maybe Aussie Open, like we said earlier on, maybe mm-hmm. may, may, maybe get them in there as well. Um, obviously, on the second, yeah, I mean that tag. I mean, I don't think I've I've rated it. For me, I've gone. I did. I cooked a curry in that time, and I managed to do lots of odd jobs, like empty out the dishwasher, put it back in, and I'd have this match ongoing, and then I'd be looking at, it, and I'd be going. Ah, fuck, I need to get the rice on, don't I? Right, I better do that then. And so I found, like, as an accompaniment, accompaniment to me doing several chores, I don't know why I can't say that word, Um, it was handy, but Jesus, it just, it's probably my bigger overall point about New Japan, and I think it's, it's these match structures, it's these card structures. There was a point at the start of the pandemic when they weren't doing multi-mans, and they were just six matches on a card. And we were all saying, do you know what? It's a pretty easy watch. If they stick to this, this is good. I'm looking at that Rambo, and I'm thinking you've got a Tokyo Dome card here where you've got six matches, all of the shortest of which is just over 19 minutes in a card versus Cobb. You've got the kind of talent of Ishii there. You've got Nagata. You've got Sho. You've got Minoru Suzuki. You have Kenta. You have Great Okan in that. You know, you're thinking you couldn't put together some singles programs, maybe kind of tease a few things for the G1, you know, little things like that that might be interesting. Is that like, does it have to be a multi-man or nothing? Like, I mean, they're the things that kind of bother me and it makes me kind of 
think for them, like, this is a crew that's kind of running on empty. And while this show was good, the aesthetics of it didn't help. Like, just looking at a load of people sat on the turf at the Tokyo Dome. And I was talking to you last night, WH, and you're saying, like, you know, if you're coming over and you want to go to a wrestling venue, you want to go to Budokan, you want to go to Korokan. Looking at this didn't make me feel like going to the Tokyo Dome was something I really wanted to do because it was like, you know, it just sort of ruined that atmosphere when you'd see it with 45,000 people and, you know, you'd hear all the stories and everything else and then just the sort of lack of buzz about this and then not even any gifts coming out that might have been quite fun to watch because they all get fucking taken down in the weirdest own goal of social media use of all time where people actively want to promote your product and you don't want them to. So, yeah, I, I, I it might be a case we're waiting for some of those gaijin to come in to kind of liven things up. Can I just say then on, on that point, it's like, hmm. you know, one of the best products in from Japanese wrestling is Stardom. They have now that Brie Priestley has gone to become Blair Davenport on EastEnders or whatever the fuck she's doing. Now. <laughs> um, she, she like they have no gaijins working there. Have you watched EastEnders? I'm pretty sure I've caught an episode here and there of EastEnders on like CBC, which is I think the, the channel that imports EastEnders. What year, WH? I have to put pu- pu- push you on this. Point. I would have no idea about the character names. It's probably like 1997 or something like that. Oh, if only Joe was here. Um, <laughs> it'd just be the most per- perfect, but, but, but it's the best product you... coming from Japan is stardom. And there's yeah. no, they don't, you don't need that. If you have a, 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 a strong roster of just native talent, that's all you need. And if you push them right, that's all you need. Like, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't buy this narrative that you get the foreign if you, if you rely too much on imports, and like you can, and people in the wrestling can attest mm-hmm. to this. If you, if your company relies too much on import talent. Then what happens when there's a situation where they can't come in, whether it's financial or because of pandemic? Well, you're fucked then. And we've seen that happen to New Japan. Like they, over the years, they thought we need, we're going to be the company that has a lot of international talent. And it worked for a long time. But like once the pandemic hits, it's like, what do we do now? Well, they didn't spend the time building up a lot of their, their, um, their native talent. Like whether like pushing guys who are juniors into becoming more kind of open weight talents or things like that. Like I think Hiromi should have been moving into heavyweight a lot sooner than this. I don't know why they gave him the junior title again. You know, it's a bit dispiriting as well having him yeah. come out and challenge Robbie Eagles immediately, unless it's putting over Robbie Eagles and him eventually moving up for like a G one. Like I think that's why Desperado lost his. I think that's why Desperado lost the title. I think it's gonna mm. they're gonna maybe move him up finally. You know, like he's got he has the build to become a heavyweight. Like you know, what I think mean? he's got the skills. I think it's I think it could be like a Tai Chi move. Yeah, where you take him out of the division, and in fact, he can be better because he's kind of got a move set and he's got a match style that I'd be interested to see him wrestle heavyweights with. And he's not playing, cosplaying as a fucking anime character who lip syncs to like a bad anime song. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, like I have heard you mention before, and it's something they don't do, and I've often wondered if they do, that why aren't they going for any other talent? They have the resources to be able to do it. Japanese other, talent. Japanese talent in other companies. There, There is kind of like that general mindset. I mean, they do it. They brought in yeah. Shido, and they brought in like Taichi was an all Japan guy who trained in their dojo, and then they brought him into japan and stuff like that it's not like they never something like Ita going to noah like right. if that is if that is the case 
God, he'd be a great fit for the juniors. I think Jerry Den like did the match with Liger in Best of the Super mm. years, you know, years ago. Um, the the thing is, it's like there's still this kind of mentality where it's like you're not one of us, you know, like you didn't train in our system, so we don't necessarily want you. It's also like there's kind of sometimes stigmas attached to being working for certain companies, and that you know this company A doesn't want a person from company B or C because we have a bad relationship with you or traditionally like we we don't think your system is as good as our system because like there are little flourishes that are different in the training of different mm-hmm. dojos new japan dojo all japan dojo no dojo like all japan dojo like there's that documentary with like francesco Akira did like and then um Yuma Oyagi, he's he's the head coach he said oh baba style of hitting the ropes is we hit with our sides we don't hit other companies do full back we hit the ropes with our size and then i was watching it like oh my god it's true like all the guys in all japan and noah hit the ropes with their side side of their bodies not with the back so it's really interesting seeing things like that but to, to the my original point like you don't need foreigners like it's good mm-hmm. to have them they should accent your product they shouldn't be half your product you know what mm-hmm. i mean and then we have the situation with new japan where it's less interesting because we can't get in you know for me jay white not being there is like i don't give a shit right you know <laughs> you don't have osprey or whatever right you know so, but I look at the companies that, that have zero foreigners and they're, and they're still having good products. Like, like Joshi in particular, it's hard to get foreign women to come over to Japan mm. these days. Like, I think because like WWE, you know, NXT and AW are like going out of the way to hire like home, like. Oh, even talent. Ring of Honor and Impact. Right. So like a lot of these women are like, oh, I don't have to go to a foreign country, even though it's Japan. And probably they have aspirations to work in Japan, but like. Working for a Joshi company is not the same as working for, for New Japan, right? Like, there's not the same prestige. It's more for the experience, right? To get that to eventually be hired by NXT or mm-hmm. AEW in the past, or, or even like Ring of Honor or something like that. So, so they're not reliant on foreign talent, and they they don't have to. They've never pushed like foreign talents as hard. Like the last person that they really pushed hard was B Priestley, and before her was Tony Storm. And, you know, with Tony Storm, they paid the price for that because she, she would, like, to be doing, like, pro- progress and, like, you know, uh, Rev Pro or whatever, and she wouldn't spend as much time. And, you know, she was, like, I think, you know, World of Stardom Champion at the time or yeah. something like that. You know what I mean? So it was, like, they learned from that. It's, like, okay, we're not – unless you're living here, unless you're committing it to us full time, we're not going to push you. You're just going to be part of our, our roster and you're just kind of a side attraction. And I think that's the way you have to think about talents these ways, especially, like, like you know, like, if – you have to kind of think if you're wrestling promotion, are we going to have travel restrictions in the future mm. if we're bringing talent? Like, I think American companies have the right attitude. You want to work for us, you move here. Mm-hmm. It's not fly in, fly out. You move here. And, you know, like that, like you think WB is going to say to someone in the UK, you can move back and forth. You can move back. No, you're going to, you want to live here. You're going to move to Florida and you're well, going to t- live here. Today, Emi Sakura announced that she's moving to the to the US on a, on a permanent basis. What, to work for AEW? To work for AEW, um, which I know Gareth's absolutely buzzing about. You were a big fan of the the Freddie Mercury routine that she did. <laughs> I think Beto absolutely loathed it, um, that, that being the case. I mean, that's it's a, it's a really interesting point. I mean, and I think as well, I mean, speaking about stardom, and I read your preview and, and listened to the, the post-purest that you did with um, with with Wa. Wa-Tay, uh, yes. With Wa, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, Garth. Um, the, the uh, but, <laughs> but with um, but with 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 stardom as well that they've managed over this lockdown period. I mean, in terms of the 
the young talent that they're bringing through as well, like the Starlight Kids and the Azumis of the world who... I mean, there's child labour laws that's been broken, if I can yeah. be brutally honest about it, is how yeah. it comes across to me. Um, the fact that Azumi... Am I right in thinking... Gareth, this is amazing. She's 18. She's got seven years' experience. <laughs> but the thing is, what I would say, and this is my current opinion at the moment, I think Stardom is the best training facility in wrestling. I think just the sheer amount of talent that they seem to have brought through in their training at this point has proven that they can do it. I think with New Japan, I think there's kind of the issue with time as well, where I'm worried about like Yutasuji's going out on excursion now, and that'll be interesting to see what he does because is he not closer to 30? I'm not sure about Yamura. I think he is that bit younger, but yeah, it's a... I always worry about the depth chart with New Japan. And I think just with all of these recent matches, it feels like they've kind of threw a lot of quite quickly. And this is really where your creative booking is coming to play. Well, I mean, they send people on excursion. I remember like there was a point where it's like, oh my God, they're set. You got Shota, you know, you have Red Narita, you have like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Kawato before he became Master Wado. But then they bring them back in these, like some of these guys in like horrible gimmicks. And and I worry about Ren Narita. Like, Shota Umino looks like he's going to do, like, a Tanahashi cosplay based on, like... That's exactly what he looked like when I saw him last yeah, weekend. Right? So, yeah. like, he seems maybe, like, okay, he's going to have maybe a decent character. But, like, what you see on their excursions isn't the same, you know, gear or character that they're going to have when they come back to New Japan. They might saddle mm. these guys with, like, something horrible. And I, I really worry more on the creative side rather than, like, the mm. amount of talent that they have. I really worry more about, like, what are they... Are they, are they like... Are they going to give Master Wado 2 to, to fucking Shota Umino? Like, are they going to turn Ren Narita into a fucking, you know, giant mecha pilot from some fucking mm-hmm. anime? That's going to be his character? Who knows? I, I have no faith in, like, the creative end of New Japan at all. Mm-hmm. Like, the talent-wise, the, the raw talent, the the human resources side, okay, they, they have a great training system, and, and it works. But, like, what, what, what are they going to be given as characters when they come back? That's the, the big question. Yeah. Yeah, the, that that creative aspect is something that's always uh, always a bit worrying. And I also think as well, I put a shout out there. I'll say this all the time. I watch New Japan Strong every week. As soon as you can get him over, Clark Connors, put him in that junior division. I think he's a great wrestler. I think you can have some really good stuff. I think there's a lot of value in Alex Coughlin. I liked him in Bloodsport. He was one yeah. of the people who showed that bit of character. Carl Fredericks as well. Like those kind of people in some ways we think of bringing in the kind of gaijin, the people I'm more intrigued in bringing is if they brought in some of the people from New Japan Strong. Just to see, like, I, I think there's there's been a bit of time investment in them as well, and I think that would be something that I'd probably find a bit more interesting if they were going to do that, because they would feel like real real fresh talents from that as well. Oh, and also, and, and also, they're not people who would come in that, that you'd need to be, like, sticking a rocket under their people who like they can come in and they can kind of ease their way through the you know have fresh matches but they don't, need to, they don't need to be winning all the time they could be tag you know they could be a tag team at either level or things like that you know i think that it for, for me there is that part a big part with new japan currently where there's just that need to add depth to the roster but it doesn't need to just be superstar depth it just needs to be 
creating some fresh matches, just creating some fresh teams, some fresh one-on-ones and things like that. that people, people who can lose as well and think, you know, thing. I think that's that's the value in some of those guys and, and, and maybe three years, four years down the line, then they do progress through and they, then they do become become stars. But there's, there's no need to have a rush about it in the same way that, you know, a big name talent who are coming into the company now they would kind of almost feel that need to kind of just be just you know disrupting things at the at, at the top end while that's needed i think i think it's a i think it's throughout the card really that it that it needs to be done well we've gone from new japan and we're going to take a trip over at the beginning you'll have noticed of this podcast we didn't go into it like cause we did we spoke for a good bit on on the pre-show as well this weekend gareth went to a uh, a live your second live show since the pandemic wh you haven't you're not doing any live shows yet are you, are you uh there hasn't been anything in like my vicinity like in toronto there hasn't been any like, if there was an outdoor show i'll throw this out i'm always banging on about this if there was an outdoor short show would you go to it both of you i would go if like you know like you know john way this- and Braden davy wanted to go or like sure i wouldn't like just one me and one friend maybe not but like it depends again it depends on who it is mm. like which company it is as well like i you know there is like a you know several local promotions some of them like okay i'll give me a chance and like there's some that's like eh, i don't want to even waste time even at an outdoor show for, for you guys you know it depends on the talent on there it's like you know i'm not gonna say names it's like i might run into these people in real life and i don't yeah <laughs> good good shout on that one um well i wasn't the only person who was having a, a big meet up this weekend gareth you were having uh you you went to see catch pro wrestling is that right where was it in manchester where were they holding the show it was at the manchester academy at the um at the university there so you know i've seen a few gigs in there in the in the in, in the past so yeah it was uh it was good, to, good to oh who's the last piece last person i saw there was the lemonheads um they're uh they're it's it's one of those kind of like mid-size, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, you know, small to mid-size rooms uh, there. But I think I think the last time I went there was for the Lemonheads, but they yeah, they're just one of those venues over the years that there's always a, uh, you know, it's kind of that that student scene. It was more you know where that student gig scene get over to Manchester, and um, you seeing mm. you seeing people before they're at their either before they're at their arena level or on the come down <laughs> see, see them at you know see them at both ends of their career kind of thing at this uh, at this venue but i mean i think for the catch show there there was about 150 people in the building um all in all so you know as a i think it was their second ever show so it was a you know it was a decent enough crowd especially like post post pandemic but for for me it was just more about just Probably the social side, really, and just getting over to Manchester there and just meeting up with the the Ogdens again. Met up with Alan Cheapshot. Um, he has a fine head of hair in him, Alan Cheapshot. He does. He does. Is a Soyuncu. Andy was uh, calling him with uh, that uh, that new hairdo he's got going on there. But yeah, Chris and Shauna, and um, managed to bump into a couple of uh, patrons in uh, Connor and Dylan as well, and had a had a, had a good crack with them. But um, yeah, I, um, it was one of those where definitely uh, the social scene took over for me, and I've got very, very hazy, uh, hazy memories of the last two matches on this show because yeah, I'd, I'd put a few beers away before I'd uh, 
even got to Manchester on the train of a, of a decent percentage. And then I had a couple on me Todd when I got to Manchester as well before I met Alan at the uh, brew dog there. So yeah, by the time I got to the end of the show, I was, uh, I was quite a few deep. So yeah, God knows, uh, God knows what I was bloody rabbit on about uh, by the end of that show. But the show in itself, it was kind of, it was predominantly uh, centered around a British, uh, uh, women's tournament um, for the, the Great British Heritage Tournament that they were running on the day. A um, couple of good matches on there. There was, you know, uh, you know, I've said in the past, big fan of Alexis Falker and big fan of Lizzie Evo. You know, both of those were in, you know, you know, really good matches early on in the show. Um, you know, the, the finish of one of them wasn't necessarily the uh, the best, um, but um, yeah, both the, both those matches, particularly the one with Chantelle Jordan that Alexis Falcon had, was a was a, a really good good strong match. And um, you know, I'm looking forward this weekend to seeing Lizzie Evo and Alexis Falcon go at it at TNT. This in a for, you know they're doing a false count anywhere match at TNT this weekend. Um, so yeah, they're they're definitely two people that I'd be saying out of this you know scene currently the way that it's been you know decimated they're they're two of the people that were highlights of highlights pre-pandemic for me and they've both kind of hit the ground running you know from from what i've seen in these two shows so far so definitely recommend seeing either of those when on the card the rest of the card itself rather, i mean there was some pretty i mean there was just some matches really if, if I'm honest there was like a Kevin Lloyd, Kevin Lloyd Tom Thelwell match to open up that was like a dark match that was a bit a uh, bit dull the finish was a bit odd on that one Ta- tag team match with the like Lycos Jim against uh, Dean Allmark and Jody Fleisch and again it was it was fine but it was nothing to write home about you know and then likewise there was a there was a three-way match with Charles Crowley Big Guns Joe and Gene Bunny as well and Again, for me, that was that was pretty <laughs> pretty dull, really. Uh, to to be honest, on that one, the the mm-hmm. main uh, the main the main event was from the semi-finals of, uh, of all the women's matches that had took place earlier on. It was a it was a four way, and it was like an an, an Iron Man four way for the for the women's title to to finish things off. And um, it was really good. They had a scoreboard up at the back of the screen where it sort of showed you how many falls that each of the four had actually got. So you kind of felt like you were watching it a bit like live and it it kind of made you buy into it as well, especially with the angle that they did with Lizzie Evo going like two up and she was very much working this kind of gimmick of um, just kind of clearing the ring and just trying to keep maintain her her lead at the top and kind of see it through to the end of the end of the match, which she she did and walked away with the the belt um, to to plenty That's of booze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it, it was good. I thought that worked well. I think the only issue for some people was that it the show started late and it ended late, so there was a lot of people leaving because there was obviously the old situation with making trains, which obviously you had last week with Revpro yeah. in Bristol, and you know a perennial problem from Britrest really, but. I mean, all in all, I had a cracking day, got blind drunk, had a good laugh with loads of people, saw a couple of good, you know, matches. The show itself was was fine. And, um, yeah, yeah, again, it was one of those where it was just, just good to be back at wrestling, really. I think that's it. And I think you've kind of got – it feels very similar to how I kind of felt a lot about Rev Pro in Bristol, where – I haven't got the expectancy that this is going to be like delivering five-star matches and things like that. Yeah. It's a day out of the wrestling. It's a small company. It's the second show they've done. You know, full disclosure, we've we've spoken to the to the owners a, a few times about, you know, and you kind of, you, you wish them all the best. The kind of overrunning thing is a big thing 
and I saw Ian Hamilton suggest today that the uh, why not just have like there's a match on the card, and if you're running short of time, that's the one that goes. Like, and you kind of you, you kind of have that that one just before the main event, just so you're you're saving yourself that bit of time because it feels like how many matches were on this on this show? Was yeah, there God, there was eight, a s- eight. Yeah, yeah, I think there was eight in, the eight. in total. If we're aiming for three hours, like there's a part of me that thinks three on either side. Like if it were me erring on the side of caution for this, you know, that can you do three on either side? Do you need to have kind of eight matches there? And you say like, obviously there's a tournament and other stuff going on and other various storylines. But yeah, it's like you say, seems like it's good at, to be out of the wrestling, isn't it? And people well, having the time and meeting up with old mates. That's what it seemed to me. It seemed to be a lot of people having, having the meet up and having the social and it's it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it was. It was just, let's say, just good, good to be back, really. And then when you think about it from a show point of view, it's the second show they've ever run. You know, yeah. these the, the promoters are catch, so there's going to be teething problems and things like that. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's one of them. You know, you're prepared to learn the job, aren't you? Exactly. You're given the benefit of the doubt if they're still doing this eight, nine, ten shows in. If they're, you know, still going mm-hmm. at that point and things like that, then. You know, then you start to like have serious questions, but you know, I'd, I'd always give someone the benefit of the doubt when they're running their uh, running the second show. But all in all, yeah, just um, had a good time. Just uh, wished I'd uh, maybe had about uh, maybe about three or four beers less, probably. I don't know. You say that with the benefit <laughs> of hindsight. Is there anything about the British wrestling scene, WH, that at all makes you think, well, I need to get over it straight away and and, and catch some of this stuff? Just meeting you, Gareth and Benner. See, it's the same thing. Do you know what? And it's like, we, we say it as well. It's like, oh, I wish there was a big show in Toronto because it just gives us all an excuse for a big meetup. And I think that's the part of this kind of pandemic wrestling that like we all kind of forget as being being part of the, the, the wider wrestling community. It's that social meetup. We're social animals at the, at the end of the day and you want to be able to go out and and kind of meet people for it. The fact that there's any kind of form of entertainment that people are able to go to feels like it's quite nice. Was it socially distanced inside? Did it have like, was there any restrictions or was like a case, some people wearing masks if they wanted to not really. I don't think anyone had a mask on. I don't think it was just, yeah, it was just go for it. We've had freedom days, JP. Don't you know? We're, we're, we're free. We can do what we want now. Didn't you? Didn't you hear? It feels that way. It really does. It feels like it, I tell you what. It feels like we're on the eve of the purge. Is how it, it is the kind of vibe I'm getting from Britain at the moment. Like, there's a lot of very angry people about other people wearing masks. Like, really fucking livid about that shit, which I don't get. And I will say this as well as someone who occasionally, and this may seem unbelievable, but you're walking around and you don't want to chat to everyone that you see. That mask was a godsend just gave you a license to be antisocial and I'm kind of gutted that might be going away. So, but yeah. Um, yeah. That's, everyone, uh, everyone, people will be throwing pizza cutters at you before you know it. Well, do you know what? Like, yeah, they will do actually. Make sure they're fucking gimmicked. All right. That just seems <laughs> needlessly like horrific. Like again, I showed my sons that, which makes me feel like a bad parent for that as well. Um, there was one other thing on, and I'm pretty sure neither of you watched this. Is that right? Neither of you watched um, MLW's Battle Riot 3. There, there's only so much 
Like, there's only <laughs> a certain threshold that I will cross for you, JP, and that MLW is is not something that I'm going to cross the threshold for. So, I no. well, they're back. Um, you'll be delighted to know uh, Major League Wrestling. Yet yeah, they were back. This uh, well, they recorded this a couple of weeks ago. This was up on YouTube. They had their Battle Riot three, which is, do you know what? It's really weird with this because it's like all they show, the only match they show on this is the Battle Riot itself, which is basically the Royal Rumble coming in every one minute. There's 40 wrestlers, which I will go through the list because I think it's just the fucking novelty value alone will just make you go, what the fuck is he doing there? And you're like, yeah, that happened. Um, it, it's, it was like a sold out ECW arena. So it was, it had that kind of like slightly anarchic vibe to it. Did you ever watch any Lucha Underground at all? Uh, a little bit here and there. Yeah, a little yeah. bit here and there. First season, yeah. I think. So you know they brought in, well, he's, he's called Cesar Duran, the actor. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, this was brilliant. He came out at the beginning and then Injustice, who come out to this like the, the knockoff Eminem theme, Myron Reed and Benno's favourite wrestler, Jordan Oliver. Um, and they came out to confront him and and Cesar Duran just like quietly goes into the mic he's like who the fuck are you like and it, and it, to which it just start fucking creasing up because that just sums up MLW it's just like you've had a couple of this was recorded on the 10th of July and he's just still going to leave this stuff in there as well um, they, they've brought in and there's a new LAX in case you're interested Danny Limelight and Slice Boogie well, I've taken the piss off, but he's a fucking unit, that bloke. Um, yeah, they they had a load of kind of other, like, kind of variety of uh, of kind of stuff. They've recorded a lot of stuff for, for TV as well. But the Battle Riot match, which you could do pinfalls and submissions as well, ultimately won by Alexander Hammerstone, but a wild roster of people. Some of the people on there, Aramis and Aries, the Lucha guys, Buku Dao. Remember him in a hot rivalry with TJP. Um, Calvin Tankman, who played kind of Hoss in this, which was, and he was very, you know, he, he had some really kind of good fun spots. They had a load of country unit guys towards the end. So Davari was there. Of Simon did. Mads Kruger <laughs> was there. Who is Nathan Jones? I'm convinced he's Nathan Jones. And he has that wrestling. <laughs> I'm looking at WH's face, and it's the face of a man who's like, no, I'm having no part of this shit. Um, they had uh, Davy Richards was there at the okay, start. That's a, that was the name I was hoping to hear. Jock Wrestling, you know, Master Dave Richards. Yeah. Bless his heart. Very, very much. Uh, yeah. Dumb Jock Wrestling for that. And, well. and he was doing that and he came out and it was him and Tom Lawler at the beginning. So that was a bit of fun. Tom Lawler also came back out later on. Once he was eliminated, he came back in again, dressed up as LA Park until one of the Von Erichs ripped his, uh, ripped his hat off. Gina Medina, who's still shit. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked by this guy. He's absolute fucking wank. Gringo Loco. EJ and Duca, who was released from NXT, and is just an absolute unit. And he eliminated 18 people. So they just set him, set him up there, just thought he's going to be the monster for us. He's clunky. So like, when you say like, absolute unit, you're talking he looks like a giant penis? No. <laughs> if he did, Ala, a.k.a. the Johnsons, in uh, NWA TNA, then okay. that'd be, that would be that would be that would be fucking awesome. No, he um, 
instead, like, he, he's just like an absolute, like, monster. Just like, we just say a unit. Just like a very big man. Very muscular. Much taller than most of the roster. Air conditioner unit or refrigerator unit? <laughs> oh, refrigerator unit. Okay. Just... Big American fridge unit. Well, the ones you get the ice out of. Um, Savio Vega was in. But not only is just Savio Vega, he was in as Quang. Ah, oh, brilliant. Someone dressed up as Kim Chi, but nothing like Kim Chi. It was very weird. It was like kind of in and out. It was like, what? Kamala's handler? Like, why are as, we... As a, as a Korean person, I take great offense to the appropriation of the word Kim Chi for uh, trainer, I... handler for, you know, racist uh, African savage gimmick. Just... Yeah. Mate, you should do. I don't think there's any clamour to see Kim Chi in the year 2021. I don't know who this was aimed at. The Blue Meanie came out because obviously it was the ECW arena, so they had to do that. Um, the Von Erics were there, as always, just clunky as all hell, but inexplicably getting a reaction and a long push in this as well. Um, oh, who else was in there? Are they? And then they had all the. Um, the various country unit boys. And it was won in the end by Alexander Hammerstone, who's one of their homegrown guys. And they've been wanting to set up the match now. They've been kind of teasing at it for really over a year. It's Jacob Fatu versus Alex Hammerstone, which I imagine they will do on some sort of pay-per-view or live Vice TV special. You watch it, it kind of looks like Impact. It kind of looks like ECW. Um, It's all of the usual kind of madness and nonsense from an MLW show. And I sit there with a big smile on my face because it's my absolute guilty pleasure outside of like some bits of AAA. Um, yeah. And that was MLW and it's free on YouTube. You don't have to fucking pay any money for it. It's not well. free. Um, you have to invest time. You can get money back. True. You can never get time back. And that's a bigger investment. Well, I mean, have a bath. And put it on in the bar, but then you'd say, "Where's well, the time for that?" Well, then I'm appropriating Garrett's gimmick, aren't I? No, <laughs> exactly, gimmick, gimmick infringement, there, mate. <laughs> He's there oh, reading about oh, the death of the territories. All I would say, all I would say, is yeah, on on that front, the, the investing of time. As I look on the uh, the grapple app, it has an average of two point nine one. So um, there you go. I think Three we've stars, maybe devoted, we've maybe devoted too much time, even on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, like, as we know, on MLW ratings, the way that it works is oh, that's, three that's star a, is really a, four and a half. I was going to say, that's nearly a full five on the MLW scale, that, isn't it? On the MLW scale, that's basically the same as Shingo Tanahashi. Like, it's, it's that <laughs> level of quality if you're going with it on that. And I think, on that note, we might well have covered all of the wrestling for this week. Fucking hell. We've managed to do that. And do you know what? There's a lot of wrestling content in this fucking show today, isn't there? There's a good half an hour of, of the, the kind of nonsense stuff, but my God, is there anything else that you guys particularly well, want? Well, I'm to sorry. Make? I didn't talk about like people taking a shit on my doorstep or people taking my rubbish <laughs> or anything like that, but maybe I can come yeah. up with something next next time I'm on, I guess on the show, if Please I'm ever invited back. And you will be. And we'll have Benno on here as well. And we'll have to make sure we tie it in with another GCW big, uh, big, big Nick Gage match just to, just to kind of even it up for that. Because I think we're going to get a lot of blowback on that. But that's half the fun of the show. 
I'm just um, looking forward to this. I was, when I the other week when you two recorded and I couldn't, and I was kind of like walking around, listening to you, <laughs> like just thinking of the little bits that I would have been chipping in. I can't wait for Benno to be listening uh, to the uh, Nick Gage loving from tonight's show, and he's uh, well, he's definitely going to be there. Like, bup, bup, bup. yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll get told off about that. I'll get told off about putting this up on YouTube for free the entire uh, time. But <laughs> WH. What have you got coming out? Where can the good people find you? Um, so you can find me at postwrestling.com, which is also where you can find Ben up when he's, uh, you know, gracious enough to, to join Martin Butchby on the British wrestling uh, experience. Uh, but uh, I do a couple of shows over there. I do uh, post Perez usually every month with John Pollock. Uh, the last show I did with, uh, with, with waiting because um, John had some home, home issues, nothing too serious. I think they're okay. Has he right sorted now. it out yet? I think so. I think. Oh, thank God. Gareth, you'll know when having toddlers, if you have got no hot water, that's not a fucking (laughs) laughing situation. Not at all. Just I did it with, with, I I did the show with uh, the great, you know, uh, Nick Gage's favorite Asian producer, podcaster, Watting. That's a fun show. Um, I do uh, the the long and windy road, which I recorded last night, which will show, it's coming up this Sunday with, you, JP, yes. yes, we had a fun time. I, I think I we might did. have. I'm thinking back. I think I might have offended uh, quite a few people that when that thing gets broadcast. But oh well, it's yeah. a Sunday for me. So and then, I look forward to that. And then I do the uh, mate. How did we go from Akira Tawe, Mitsuru Masawa to to Nick Gage, Matt Cardone? <laughs> within 24 hours. It's fucking it's, wild. It's it's uh it's the effect of the cross pollination of post wrestling and, and yes. <laughs> there you go. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's also the last show I do is is with waiting. Usually every uh you know every week when there's a Marvel Disney Plus show, it's called MCU Later, and and JP will be a guest. On a future episode of that, probably for when we're covering uh, What If, which is the next series that Disney Plus is going to be streaming, mm-hmm. we have decided which episode. Maybe they're going to give us a, a, a number of like the what the you know, the details of the episodes that are coming up, and then you can maybe you can pick which one you would like to to, to cover. Oh, so I'm absolutely fascinated by it as well, and I say I'm a big fan of um, of MCU later as well because like it's the kind of thing as well because it, I watch it so much with my sons that we end up as i was telling you we end up listening to the podcast because there's loads of stuff we don't know in terms of the backstory and the comics and things like that and it sort of just brilliantly fills in the gaps as well you know i have a friend I love the end of loki i fucking love the end of loki i i have friends who have like you know who have like a there's one 16 year old and he has one seven year old and he loves and listen to like post perez and i'm like why why do you let your kids listen to me say fuck all the time? <laughs> so I'm asking, like, your kids are old enough, I guess it's okay. There are, right? oh, they, they swear at me. So, like, they, that, that genie's out the bottle, mate. So, like, yeah, they're not paying any attention at all to me at this stage. Sorry, I was interrupting. Yes, we've got, you've got the long and winding Royal Road on Sunday, is that right? Yeah, it's coming out with, with, J, with you, JP. And it's a fun, it's Mr. Hamasawa versus uh, Kira Tawe. Uh, from 1995, it's the Champions Carnival final from that awesome. year, and it's, it's a great match. And uh, you know, find out. I'll save. You know what you and I thought about it. It's a it's it's a fun episode. I I really enjoy you know yeah. talking with you, and it, it was kind of like a, a great uh, timing that we were do that yesterday, and then I'm on on here right now with, with no coward. Deathmatch Richard is not here. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm really hoping. I get that nickname over Deathmatch Richard because I think it's so 
appropriate. So he's like, making Gareth, a comeback. He's hitting the gym. Gareth, when, really whenever good. he starts going on about GCW or Nick Gage, you just say, "Listen, that's back." <laughs> that's we a, can do that. that. The, the seed is sown. That is a. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah, postwrestling.com at wh park nine. If you want to see my uh, horrendous takes on all the shit people in wrestling, you know. <laughs> Your Instagram's great fun though. Those those Joy Division T-shirts look fucking class. Like, oh, oh, thank you very much. You know, my my Instagram is like my my food pictures, and yeah. it has nothing to do with wrestling usually. You know, I Twitter's my wrestling thing, Facebook is my personal thing, Instagram is my food thing. Yeah. That's a good chat. Divide, divide my, my social media that way. And yeah, and as long as you avoid all the conspiracy theorists, you're absolutely fine. No, no. <laughs> I, I mean I've got my five G's working really well since I got my second shot. Well so. I've I've been running on the phone tethering on here and my five G's been spectacular. So uh thank you. And thank you for the, the microchip that they put in there as well the other week. Thank them for that. Gareth, have you got anything to plug at all? Same as always. Get yourself on Google Play, get yourself on the App Store, download that Grapple app and yeah. start getting your ratings in. And maybe as you listen to uh, JP and uh, WH uh, doing the, uh, that show there, you can go and check out and uh, put your own ratings in. I noticed that you'd both put your ratings in on the app there. So spoiler alert, if you want to know what they thought about uh, that Tower match, go and, uh, go and give them a follow on the Grapple app. You can't see with the camera, but yeah, they get the Grapple app on my phone. <laughs> god bless it because the thing is when it comes to those top 10 lists at the end of the year it's like if that isn't there i am fucked like there's no <laughs> way there's no way i'm remembering any any of that as well um yet i will plug patreon.com forward slash grapple we will be doing a review of gayer girls at some point this week we've got the grappy hour coming up as well as we hit the kind of uh end of the month so yeah, uh, we'll be we'll be working at all of that. The weekend show as well. Um, I think there's lots of various little planning for uh, uh, various uh, little projects to do. I know between sort of me, Benno, and, and, and Gareth as well. And I've spoken to you, WH, about them. So hopefully some of those will come to fruition and not another one of my mad dreams. But until next week, bye. Always ready. See ya. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.